in the last two weeks since we recorded, I've consumed so much media, I don't know where to begin. Oh, that's exciting. This movie is so good, but I can't think of one person that I could recommend it to. Wow. It's absurd and comical, and then it's uncomfortable, and then it's just heartbreaking. Is it just like a thing that a certain type of personality or whatever just takes on things, takes on things, until you're just full? <laughs> and, then it <laughs> and then the work is somehow trying to empty out enough of that to where you don't lose your shit at a moment, like a blink of an eye. Welcome to Long Walk, Short Drink, episode 54. This is a Sleepy Palmer podcasting to you live if you're watching, not live if you're listening to this on a recording from Dayton, Ohio. This is a soggy Dave coming to you from rainy Northfield, Minnesota. Is it hot up there? It is so fucking... It has been. Oh my yeah. God, it's so fucking ridiculously hot here. I think it's just starting to break and w with a lot of this rain that we're having right now. And uh, Brian and I just ran out to walk the, the pups before in a, in a small, in a short lull in the rain. Oh yeah. The sogginess. But yeah, it's been, it's been unpleasant, but I, I think Friday it's supposed to be like a high of 50, but even tomorrow is supposed to be hot. It's, it's been weird. <laughs> yeah. We're supposed to be hot all the way up until Saturday. And then the high 71 but the low is 57 so that's that's like open your windows when you sleep weather i love that i love yeah. that like 50 to 65 temperature like is perfect it could stay right in that range all year round and i'd be happy yeah i could deal with that uh, the sleeping weather like yeah the bride loves that the windows open i do too really if, if at all possible i just want to be comfortable it's got to be in the 50s at night for us to pop yeah. the windows and we're already up to two viewers thanks for joining us already on long walk short drink episode 54 it's uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take a guess it's moto and maybe twinkie i don't know if double d's on yet he might not and maybe it is double d i don't know uh but if you're not either of those people thanks for joining us be sure and, and including them of course but i know what you mean them. oh jesus yeah the, the thanks I goes without mean. saying if it's mean. them yes Oh my gosh! Foot in my mouth. We just started. No, I know what you mean. I think they know what you mean. Welcome, Wake the one fuck and up, all. Palmer. Jesus, <laughs> thanks for joining us. That's what I'm trying to say to our two viewers already. We go live. Maybe it's Broadman. Could be Broadman. Oh too. yeah. Um, if you're still, you know, if you're if you're joining us, make sure you can chat with us in the chat window. Uh, I got that up. I try to keep an eye on that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll I'm, try to open it here too. Yeah. I'm on a smaller single screen tonight, but I think I, I can make something happen. I'm bad about 
keep I, I try not to bury that. So I have my on that on the dummy computer that hosts the session, I have that moot like that window is not maximized. And then I have another window behind it so I can see just the chat. So if something pops on there. So all right. Uh man, I feel like it has I, I really like this every other week where like we're releasing an episode and then recording an episode and releasing an episode and recording an episode. It gives me a better chance to catch up. Like I'm I I finally am into our current episodes. Uh thankfully. I finished uh I finally finished the um episode fifty cut moto. Oh yeah. Thank oh, you so yeah. much. Those were like some great additions there. It was great to have that little touchback uh, for an episode. Uh, I uh, That episode was so good. I also started 51, and I go on a big... This is a big... Uh, in episode 51, uh, you say that Alec Baldwin won an Oscar for his uh, performance in Glengarry Glen Ross. That is completely inaccurate. He did not even get... He won a... He did win an award for it as Best Supporting Actor, but it was not an Oscar. Um, Al Pacino was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but I don't think he won it. So oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Fuck you, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story you tell, too, yeah. which is crazy. I always think of that when I think about that movie. Because <laughs> uh, it's rare you say fuck you in the name of your boss <laughs> and they happen yeah. to enter the room regardless. It's <laughs> like perfect timing. <laughs> Shit. Uh, we got, that's a twofer. We got two episodes out of that story. That's right. There. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I really like it. It just like, I feel like though every time we record, it's like, oh my God, I haven't talked to Dave in so long. Like, this, like I can feel the I can feel the absence of long walk short drink uh, in my life on the off week of recording, which is uh, it's it's just interesting how quickly I've come to really ap- appreciate and depend on uh, this, which is great. So. Yeah, me too. Me too. I, I'm on a music kick right now, so so I'm really like splitting my time between our podcast so I can get caught up again and then or stay relatively caught up. I like being a couple behind because I feel like then I can go and correct shit that bullshit that I say. <laughs> uh, so but I've been bouncing it between that and and music. I speak speaking of, so I listened to uh, the Willie Nelson album that Twinkie talked about a uh, teatra or oh shit i should have put it on here um i listened to that album at work i just thought about that again today too because i i actually have a music thing for my dave's digs and i was trying to find a good way into like how to show a clip and so i or hear a clip without getting too crazy and i went to the itunes store to I thought that might be a good way of doing that. And on the front page was a Willie Nelson uh, album. I think it was called My Way. I don't know if it's a new album. I think uh, that one's a little... His, me his most recent one, which which it came out on his 84th birthday. He's had... Whoa. The one article that I read, because I start. So here's the thing. So I listened to Teatro, and 
you can totally hear the island records in in that production um you mean like what do you mean by that i i so that's the so the that's the album that it has the one of the producers that produced some albums with U2 on it, right? Oh, the, probably Daniel Lenoir. That would be my guess. Uh, like he, yeah, I uh, I don't have it up. I I did have it up, but I'll just I'll just wild conjecture. That's okay. like almost a fifty fifty. That's you can hear. <laughs> I don't know, like those records, like the, the albums that came out of that studio, because it's Island Island Records, right? Is was their label? Yeah, that was the imprint. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just feel like when I started to listen to it, I was like, yeah, this is totally like Island Records. Um, there's a, it's very drum heavy. Uh, like the drums are super prominent throughout the whole album. And it's uh, almost like he, it, it, it's him with an acoustic guitar and he's so haunting. And then there's like Calypso drums playing like, and it's like these two <laughs> contrasts between uh, the two things. So I didn't want to like, I know Twinkie said like, that's an album that's really different compared to his other works. And so I didn't want to just judge. I, I wanted to, I want to listen to more Willie Nelson before I can like make a judgment, even on that one album. But at my, if I, into a corner with a gun against my head it, the drums are really off-putting i almost want them not to be there so i can just hear like willie nelson and a guitar uh because that's because his voice is like really haunting it's it's uh it's great so oh that's um, cool it is a uh, daniel lenoir oh, yeah. i do think he has a special interest in drums i remember larry mullen jr talking about that when he got because Steve Lillywhite did their first three albums and then they started working with uh, Lenoir and Brian Eno. And I remember Larry was talking about how he was the, f- how Lillywhite was great, but he was much more interested in say vocals or other things. But Lenoir took a special interest in the drums. Um, so he sounds like, yeah, that can be for good or bad. <laughs> so then, uh, and then that led me route down this rabbit hole. I watched this, this and today then I, Watch this really awesome kid do a Cranberries cover on a ukulele. And he was so good. This I like Ash watched the video and she's like, that guy's a prodigy. Uh, he was playing the vocals with the like the vocal portion of the song with his bottom two fingers and then playing the actual song with the top two fingers on the ukulele. So it was like, it was like the whole song all together. He didn't sing at all, but you could hear the singing. It was just crazy. And so then that made me think of the, uh, the Eddie Vedder ukulele songs album, which is like, in my opinion, just like grossly underrated, uh, just like stupid underrated. It's so fucking awesome. But there is, I I need to do smoking stats because there's a song on that album where Eddie Vedder 
starts the song by opening a Zippo lighter. Oh, yeah. And lighting a cigarette. <laughs> and you hear yeah. him like take a hit and exhale it. And then he starts playing. And for anybody that smokes or anybody who has smoked and quit, congratulations, first off. Uh, if you've ever lit a cigarette with a Zippo lighter, that it has a flavor uncomparable to anything else. Like it, it, that first hit of a cigarette lit off of a Zippo lighter tastes different. And my connection to sound, I don't know if other people like this, but my connection to sound is so memory inducing that when he exhaled, I could taste that taste in my mouth. Wow. Like I like I had just taken that hit. So I got it. I had I've been um Ash and I have been going through some stuff and just, you know, whatever. I, I felt I've in the last few months I've wanted to smoke more than I have in the last year. Uh so uh and then that that today really was so I've not smoked in two years, 77 days, 11 hours and 32 minutes. I've saved $4,118 and I've not smoked. This is so fucking crazy. I've not smoked 13,727 cigarettes since I quit. Whoa, my God. Uh, yeah, that's great. I I kind of missed that segment. Now <laughs> it was almost like nostalgic for me to hear that. Yeah, so I had to do that because um, here and I'll send you that that screenshot of that. Uh, yeah. I I had to do that because I yeah, the especially in the last I would say week. It's been close a couple times where I've just almost gone and bought cigarettes. And uh, I mean, I'm I couldn't I, I, I I've never entertained it more than like, oh, man, cigarettes. But it, the craving is really there, like stronger than it has been in a while. And so I had to open that up after I tasted that. I was like, man, from listening my, to that song, from listening to that one song. Oh. And I swear, like when he exhales. It, like my mouth was just flooded with that flavor. Like, the, cause it's like a Zippo lighter has, you use a fluid instead of like butane. So it has almost this like charcoal -y, like when you first light a charcoal fire, that's what it, it almost tastes like that. But then mixed with this, it's just a weird flavor. And like he exhaled it like, cause he exhales right into the mic. So it's like, <sighs> and like, Literally, I could feel my mouth fill up with that flavor, just like I had just lit that cigarette myself. Um, so Ash, she's like, maybe you should, when you took your smoking cessation class, uh, she always said that anybody was welcome to come back at any point in time. She called it a, a nicotine tune-up so that you could just get a little refresher, like a little realignment to... She's like, maybe you should go back to that class. And so I think I'm going to do that next week, maybe. Oh, that's Pop nice. down there and just do another, just do a visit. Hey, um, this is what I've done. So, yeah. So. That's, I mean, it's, it's good that you, yeah, it's good the way that you're thinking about it. It sucks that you're having to struggle with it. Yeah. You know. 
An addict is an addict is an addict. You never, like alcoholics, uh, Stephen King still calls himself an al- alcoholic, right? Like you're, I think that's part of, part of that healing process is to be able to tell yourself like, this is a part of me. I've, and whether you believe you let it become a part of you or whether you believe there's a genetic or, or some kind of uh, physiological thing that is associated with that addiction. At the end of the day, though, every like everybody's rock bottom is different. And I really define like your rock bottom as just saying this is a part of me that I need to learn how to cope with. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I talked to somebody who had been quit smoking for 25 years and I remember asking them, do you still think about having a cigarette and like deadpan, no hesitation, looked me right in the eyes, said, I think about it every day, you know, and, and I think that's true. You know, when I was, uh, when I, I was in my early twenties when I asked that, with that person. I mean, that's a person that's, it was a supervisor at a stupid job. Right. And, uh, that has stayed with me though. And I remember thinking even then, like that must be fucking terrible, you know, but now I realize, Oh, it's just, it's just a piece of it. Just a piece of it that you just have to come to terms with and accept. So. Yeah. I remember you saying that cause I heard you say it on the podcast and that stuck with me, even not having to I don't think I've ever been physically or chemically addicted to anything. I mean, I've tried to give things up and stuff. Actually, you know, I um I picked my wedding ring up today because I had to get it resized. Yeah. Because I had actually lost. I don't have. I don't weigh myself because I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> but over the last, I don't know, however long, maybe a year or so, uh, I have lost enough weight to where like my wedding ring is coming off all the time. And I've made a lot of change and tried a lot of things, but I honestly think that that part of it, <laughs> that much weight loss came from just cutting back yeah. on how often I would reach for a uh, beer or wine for you know, like my evening elixir. <laughs> right. But so, yeah, I've, that has been a conscious choice, but that wasn't something that's the, I don't know. It's not really comparable for me. I guess I, I don't want to put it in the same department, but uh, yeah, I, I still think about that phrase for some reason quite a bit whenever i think of addiction in some way i think about that thing that your boss told you <laughs> that i heard second or yeah. third hand that's a powerful and i think about it for the same reason i'm like god that sounds so fucking hard yeah <laughs> uh so it's interesting too like that other thing where you say it's like it yeah it's just what, what did you say it's something you it's a part of you it's just a you part of you that you just have to, like, to live with that you, i mean it's like being left-handed or having a, a a birthmark on the end of your nose or or detached earlobes or webbed toes. Like you just <laughs> you just have to be able you have to be able to say that's just part of who I am. And once you can admit that, I feel like then you can say, okay, well then how do I deal with it? How do I how do I manage it? How do I how do I present that part of me to other people? How do I, um, how do I keep that part of me from wrecking or ruining everything else in my life? How do I keep that part of me from not being the dominant part of me, like the m- most prevalent part of me? I don't want it to be. 
So, and that's the, I think that's the first step is like, you have to want it. And that comes with. Oh, I see you're looking at the chat. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's so interesting that everything you just said, I actually relate to hardcore for non-addiction things that I'm seeking treatment for. I guess you could call it treatment. Yeah, because I go, I go to actual therapy on off weeks from long work, short drinks. So I have dude therapy. <laughs> and then the other weeks, I go to clinical therapy to essentially try to do exactly what you're saying. Like try to find this a way to live with this part of everything you just said really hit me in terms of like, fuck, I'm not trying to, well, I am trying to give up a certain way of thinking, I guess, but fuck, if that doesn't like hit home in a way that I wouldn't have thought would when you started that paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) That's so wild. But I mean, it's, it's true. Yeah. I, you gotta, I mean, you gotta love yourself first, right? And I think that that comes in a diff- but bunch of different ways. I I really take that meaning. You just have to understand yourself, and you have to, and that comes from introspection and self reflection. And but then you you need tools to be able to deal with those pieces of yourself, or else they'll just run out of control. Yeah. Have you ever heard uh, of the the internal versus exter- external locus l- lotus locus? Sorry, it's locus internal or external locus of control. No, have you ever heard of that? No. So that was um, I think the bride has mentioned that to me from some of her uh, mental or her helping profession background, and um, it's helped give me a sort of a framework around some of the things that I think are issues for me but i remember hearing i i remember hearing not with that term but when i was in college like taking a psychology overview course and there was a there was this thing that stuck with me the same way just like these little comments can and it had something to do with like a way of thinking about things uh where i think the example that the professor gave was like if you had a test and you got a bad grade on the test one way to think about it is like well i didn't study enough or all this or that Actually, honestly, I can't remember that part as much because the part that I seized upon was what the professor said, which I can't, I can't remember anything about it. I remember the room, I, but I can't remember man or woman or what. Like, but I remember what they said was uh, thinking about it in terms of like, well, it was some other problem. Like it was the, something about the test or the teacher or something. And this idea that thinking about it in that way was somehow healthy. I always thought like, how can that be? And how much easier must life be if you could think that it was always just sort of in the back of my mind i guess that is a an extreme version of the external look locus of control okay um to where basically you just see things like they're external forces like you made me do this or this happened be i feel this way because this happened or anyway but the bride told me when i was debriefing one of these therapy sessions or just some of the things i'm trying to get past She's like, you have an over... This is her analysis of me that I was like, fuck, you're right. (laughs) You have an overactive and somewhat problematic internal locus of control to where you think... You're always trying to think about like what you can do, what you did to make this happen. It's all kind of... And in a way that sounds good to 
it's like it sounds like to me it has this false air of virtue about it <laughs> but it is hugely problematic <laughs> for me uh, and actually i didn't used to be that way um to some extent it was maturing a little bit and starting to understand that understand the role that i do play and problems that are i have in my life but i think whatever it is about my personalities i seized hardcore about like oh if if i am the cause of these things then i can alleviate them <laughs> you know if i'm the cause of my own suffering in this way then i can kind of minimize it by my own behavior anyway it's a kind of getting i don't know if it's off topic or what but it uh it's it's a difficult thing. So if you're someone who has a strong internal locus of control, like you think everything is something you can affect change in, in your own life and stuff. And the, you're responsible for the good, I guess, but you tend to focus on the bad. Maybe, <laughs> uh, if you are also a heavily introspective person and you're working on some of those things, it's very difficult as well <laughs> to, because the internal like analysis, you just like uncover more stuff that you feel like you're fucking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. So my my big thing somehow is to is to figure out a way to learn to. Well, it's it all of it sounds so stupid to say out loud, but no, I I don't think well, it's stupid no, at all. <laughs> well, not the idea of it, but some of the things that I need to internalize are just like. <laughs> Uh, when I, my therapist was saying like t that, uh, and it's, I, I like her for a lot of reasons. One of which is that she doesn't, she never tells me what to do or think. And I, I went into this relationship with the idea of like, I'm just looking for some place where I can like bounce my experiences and feelings off of someone <laughs> yep. not necessarily looking to her to fix me. I'll joke. Sometimes I'll come in and be like, all right, let's fix it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> knowing that that will not be the case. But uh, anyway, so she'll just sort of think of, she'll just like, well, this is one way to think about it. And other times it's helpful in that she'll just say like, well, I'm hearing this and I'm like, Ooh, okay. That's interesting. Anyway. But so she was telling me that partially if I can just start to th think like what I'm doing is enough. And as simple as saying like, you are enough. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that sounds so like kind of, kind of silly. And I'm working on that, but cause that, that's, oh. <laughs> but that's like exactly like you're starting to see this, this internal, this overdeveloped sense of internal locus is this piece of you. This is that's a thing yeah. that you that just like having two thumbs, right? And yeah, yeah, that's a piece of you. And then your therapist is giving you tools on how you can take that piece of you and live with it. Yeah, yeah, you know? I think so. Or just yeah, I don't even know. Uh, but it but it definitely is that idea that piece of me that I need to learn to live with. I and I told her because sometimes we'll be like, I'll, if there's a pressing issue or something, she's has a strategy of like, well, what do you hope will happen? What what would be the ideal situation of outcome of this thing that's bugging you? And I I think I don't know if it was her or some some other means in which I'm working on some of this stuff. I'm like, well, what what am I really after? 
I, you know what? It wasn't that. It was, I was just going off and off and I was like, God damn it, man. <laughs> I love I can curse around her too. Yeah. <laughs> and that she'll curse back. I'm like, I just want to feel some peace. I just want to feel peace. Like yeah. in my mind and in my heart and in my spirit. See, oh my God, <laughs> we're only an hour in here anyway, but it's we're pretty not even simple. An hour but, in. Then, oh God, <laughs> 37 minutes in a row. Yeah, come on. You kill, you're killing me. Sorry. No, that's all right. I she had my headphone cord. I was about to pull the computers off the desk. Fuck! Get out of here, cat. You were cute. You were cute for a minute. <laughs> we're about to adopt another cat. Fuck. What? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Why? I know. I I, I want to stop. <laughs> I want to go back to this. You're not going to dodge oh. this shit. Let, let's finish this up. Well, I, we I mean, I don't think it's anything I'll solve anytime soon. But it's. I've just been. It's it's. It, I went there because. I was out of ideas. I was out of tools like last April or whatever. Yep. A couple like, so blisters can go back, but basically I was like going through something mostly focused at work. I think that's right. And I was like, I snapped at the bride, which wasn't a huge thing, but I was just like, you know, I don't want to be, that's not what I want. (laughs) It's like, what can I, and so I was just like, I don't know what else to do, what else to try. And so I, decided to i think this is that yeah so anyway i reached out but i i realized it was both like i got to figure out a way to deal with some of this overwhelming feelings and then i realized that i have this underlying problem of always feeling like i'm not doing enough uh that i'm letting everyone down all the time yeah it's it's absurd actually when i realized once i realized that how often that crosses my mind and how much that informs my thinking and behaviors and stuff so that's why I went there. And, uh, and then since then there have been like things that come up, whether it's like at work or otherwise. And some, I've had, I've had some intense like things to go through this year. And, uh, ultimately it comes back to that. Some of those fundamental things of that, that same fundamental idea of like, I'm not doing enough for, I don't know. It's, it's weird, but it, they're all, there is a definite root to the, to the things that I get tripped up on. And it just, I experience it through different parts of my life in different ways. So it's nice in a way to know that like, Oh, it's all kind of coming back to this and you have to work on this. But like you say, that idea of being a part of you that you carry and are learned to accept. And I don't know, it's not a new part of me. I just think it's a part of me. I didn't, that didn't bring me as much uh, pain as it does now. I keep thinking because I get like oh, like overwhelmed about various things, but I have got a lot. There's so much anger so close to the surface yeah. about all kinds of things. And I just, just like, is it just like a thing that you, a certain type of personality or whatever, just takes on things, takes on things until you're just full. <laughs> and then it, <laughs> and then the work is somehow trying to empty out enough of that to where you don't lose your shit at a moment, like a blink of an eye. Well, and I, you know, we've, we've talked about the analogy from, uh, from dogma before, uh, that, uh, the late great professor Snape, uh, gives in that movie. He talks about how when you're a child, your cup is super small. So it's really easy. And, And this is in relation to faith. Yeah, it's like super yeah. small, so you're, it's really easy to fill it up with faith. But then as you grow, your cup grows. So it's it, it's harder and harder to fill that cup. But I think like 
your tolerance for these pieces of you that you carry and uh, in essence your tolerance to deal with the bullshit that triggers that piece right yeah is yeah as much it's less empty or it's less full when you're younger right and so like mm -hmm. y it, it's still filling up at that point and then then you get to an adult and now it's it's you filled it up because you just tolerated shit or you put up with it or you made excuses for it or you hit it or like hit h-i-d it yeah, yeah. Uh, or or any of those things and maybe you spent like a sizable amount of time like trying to cut it off that piece of you like to get rid of it and it's like you can't cut your foot off you can't or you wouldn't cut your foot off you wouldn't cut your thumbs off i think that's piece of it too is like you once you're once you filled up that tolerance then you're like okay now I just need to get rid of this. This is this thing is wrong with me. So how do I get rid of it? And then that's I think contributes to the frustration because you spend this sizable amount of time trying to get rid of it. When really again, it's a piece of you. You you wouldn't cut your your hand off if it was if you burned your finger, you don't cut your hand off, right? Like literally right, like yeah. you don't cut off your nose despite your face, right? Uh so you spend that time trying to cut this piece of you away because it's it, it, it's bothering you finally. And and that's where then you, you finally get to the point where you're just like, wait a second, this is just me. How can I deal with this piece of me and not lose everything else? And I, it sounds like that's like that's the path that you're on. Yeah, yeah. It's very helpful to, well, everything you said. And it's also, it, it rings true to what I was saying to her about that idea of the, that, I don't know. It's like, part of me wants to hear that. Part of me needs to hear that idea that I am enough <laughs> and that I'm yeah. doing enough. That, but that's, uh, just to say it out loud, sounds, I don't like it. <laughs> and I told her too, I was like, the, I have... I got a lot of things I want to do and I got, I have creative pursuits and stuff that literally keep me up at night, but there's some, there's some nights that I have to, like, I need that. I need that piece of me for that to get me off the couch <laughs> and yep. over to work on my stuff. So yeah, finding that, finding a balance of all that is, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's, 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 it's what I'm working on, but it's, Oh <laughs> Yeah. But it's a weird, it's a weird, a little bit of weird, weird catch twenty two. Because I do like to have something to work on. I'm glad there's something I can do. But the the work that needs to be done, it's it. I don't know. It uh, feels talk therapy and all that kind of stuff can feel like like your scab starting to heal, and then you go back in two weeks and rip it open again. <laughs> so it's trying to find that balance. Well, if you're making sure it's, it's like, all here, here's my last analogy for this, and then we'll then we can move on. But if you pick scabs. You know, even if you rip the scab off every two weeks, it gets smaller every time. So, oh, that's interesting. I yeah. thought you were gonna say you pick scabs off, you get scars. Nope. But I like that. Yeah, they get. Well, I mean, you're gonna get a scar regardless. Even if, even yeah. if you leave it alone, you're gonna get a scar. Like, you know. Yeah. So, don't think wow. of it like a scar. But just remember, every time you pick a scab, it's smaller every time, right? So. Yeah. Uh, you know the thing when you were talking about that filling up, uh, I, it feels too like there's anchors to all those things filling it up, like yeah. that that build up over time. Like it's not just the the volume; it has all this like 
baggage and weight to it. And I think that well, it's harder to. That's true because when and when you're younger, you just don't see those tethers. You don't see like yeah. you're not making that connection. You're just trying to fucking survive. You know, like yeah. I'm just thinking of my 20s, where it's just like I'm. I don't know if if it was this like subconscious understanding that this is a finite amount of my life like this this period where i'm like an adult but i have very limited responsibilities and i can still do whatever the fuck i want and but there's a point where i'm not gonna where it's just like i'm just trying to do as much as i can in this limited amount of time and so it's really hard to see those anchors and those ties that are coming with all that shit because you're just you're just trying to go, you know, and yeah, yeah. Well, and so much of it, like I said, I I like the I like I know it's necessary, but it feels a little wrong, like the way that you need to like focus on yourself and yeah. I don't know what if it's our culture or my particular upbringing that that feels like I'm taking the wrong way out <laughs> or, or, oh. or or no, you got to grow. You got to Maggie just made a crazy noise. I just need to make sure she's not hurt. I'm so sorry. Oh no, go, but it was go a bad check. noise. Let yeah, me check. Go check. She's making it again. I can hear it. Is everything okay? Sorry, everything was fine. The bride just got home, and oh, <laughs> you okay. think? But that was the weird sounds. I'm sorry. No, I was those truly were weird. Out. I heard them over. Like they came through the like through the sliding glass <laughs> oh, door. Man through your house, through the sliding glass door, over the microphone, and the gate let them through. Like, I heard those noises. Oh. Like, that's how crazy oh. they were. So, well, yeah. So, everything is fine. She's just, I guess, All like, right. why, why did you, why weren't you here? <laughs> 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 to the bride. Oh, bride was man. getting an honor from one of her. Well, I don't know but how to contextualize it. Anyway, I'm glad this is covered on my insurance. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, that being said, you want to open a beverage of choice and then start getting into like fun shit. Absolutely. I, got, I, got a I lot may of have opened. Like, huh? <laughs> I may have already opened. <laughs> oh, that's all right. And then, uh, I have I have s- sufficient beverages, but they are um, larger. So I'm portioning, portion controlling myself. But right. I think it's best I not open the other one. So I will um, we'll just, I'll participate yeah, just somehow. Just do it in spirit. Yeah. On three and three. Yep. I I made the noise and open a beverage and cheers, long walkers, to your beverage <laughs> <Cheers>. of choice. <laughs> Thank you, Palmer. I don't know. I guess that was all pretty close to the surface. So that was. But you said a lot of helpful things for me. Well, good. I. You know what's terrible is I'm a fucking basket case. Just like an emotional basket case. But there is something in I I I You really rise to the occasion though when I uh, I know I've come to you the problem. You're like I'm like, where does this fucking wisdom reside and how can I get some? The other thing too is like why can't I I'm sure you do. I'm sure you uh, do. Yeah. Well I find I really get something from helping. I uh Maybe to a fault. No, I don't think that's true. I I have read uh, I read uh, some of books on addiction this year, and um, they said actually a huge part of that process is helping. Yeah, I, like that 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 is like integral to your own help 
uh, yeah. in, in those in those capacities. So maybe there's something to that. Well, but I also, you know, in going to therapy and stuff, they talk about some sometimes one of the tactics that they'll take or or even self help things that I've read. It's like if you think about like how whatever you're saying to yourself or whatever, like would you say that to like your best friend or or, or to someone else? Just imagine it's anyone else but you. And so I think in a way, maybe that's what it, it helps unlock that for you to where you're not saying that to yourself. So you're able yeah. to like, you know, get past whatever that is. I don't know. Whatever it is, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you can see like you spend so much time in your head trying to solve your own problems, right? Uh, it's like that new eye. I love the saying new eye see fresh where if you yeah. like if you have a problem, the best thing sometimes that you can do is just go to somebody that's not associated with it at all, present the problem and just get their fresh perspective on it because maybe you're just too close to it. And I think in helping people, you get a chance to do that and you end up finding that a lot of problems, a lot of problems people have at the root of it, they're all kind of like the same, like I'm just using an arbitrary number, but it's all roots back to maybe like the same five things, right? And so if you can just like, if you can see that problem and just talk it through like somebody else's problem, you're going to end up being like, holy shit, that's exactly like the same fucking thing that I'm dealing with. Yeah. You know, and so it it does. I think there is something to that about visualizing your problem with somebody else. How would you help somebody else with your problem? Uh, that's a great, again, it's like, it's just tools. That's really, sometimes I feel like all we need is just, we just don't know how to deal with what's, what the fuck's going on. So just, yeah, however you can there was, find those tools to do that. There was this one tool at work that I found really helpful, even in like points of crisis. Cause a little bit, it's like how to deal with a, a situation. And I think I talked about it before. It was like a four-stage thing, though. And I had to employ it recently for the first time after they said, like, okay, next time something happens like this, let's do this. Where you're like, what is the situation? What is the behavior? What is the result? What do we want to do different next time? Sounds really simple. I can make it really complicated. But I did that for this one thing. And it actually really helped. By the time I got to the last thing, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it didn't make me feel any like less mad about this, that, or the other. But I'm like, if I just focus on this last step, I actually got to this last step because of these other three. So that right. was like, I was like, I felt really good about it. I was like, this is a useful tool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, and with time, what happens is, is you start to recognize useful tools and you start to recognize ones that don't work. And, then you get really good at at using the ones that do and and just kind of brushing off the ones that don't. So yeah. research your own experience, absorb what is useful, ignore what is use not useful, and add what is essentially your own. Yeah. No, <laughs> or Palmer. Yeah, that, that's it. See, uh, shit. All right, let's fucking get to good. Let's get to yeah, some good shit. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, I feel much better. I I don't know what we would what we're gonna end up talking the most about. I feel like there's a lot of Stephen King stuff to talk about. We had yes. So last episode we had Ash on. We talked about A Quiet Place and Black Klansman, two fucking fantastic movies. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. We spoil the shit out of those movies. Yeah. Just fair warning, uh, especially with a quiet place, just because it's a scary movie. Uh, 
go fucking see that great movie and then come listen to us talk about it. Uh, go back and listen to us talk about it. Um, but at the end of that, we kind of t- we we had talked about how we didn't really get to a king corner in a couple episodes, um, and we had a, a lot of king stuff that has cropped up since not being able to as an for an outlet for it uh, that we wanted to try to kind of focus on. So since that we recorded that episode, I we binged all the episodes of Castle Rock. You did. Okay. I was going to uh, ask, yeah, but and, I didn't want to pressure you <laughs> in case I, you hadn't. I, I'm so glad you did. I, I have too. I and have I seen binged all. all the episodes of the cast, the footnote, the Castle Rock podcast. Oh, cool. I went through all of those. <laughs> That's a, re- it's, and that one's a really easy podcast. It's only like a half hour long per episode. Yeah. It, yeah. it has a very rigid structure that he stuck to for all 10 episodes. Um, you know, the two creators, then a guest. Then a light, then a lightning round where he just tries to get spoilers out. I told Ash that for season two, I really want to listen to that podcast right after the episodes come out because it really is designed. If if you are going to go to after our conversation tonight, if you're going to go to those two things, uh, I highly recommend, especially if you want to, if you're into podcasts and you want to do the podcast along with the show, like watch an episode of the show, then listen, like just devote a half an hour to that show's episode of the podcast. Cause they really work well with each other. Um, yeah. That last one for episode 10 Romans. Yeah. That was, I mean, they laid out so much uh, in that one of like what they were going for and stuff that yeah. really spoke to me. And I, I was like writing notes, but I took down like half the thing. And then the Easter eggs, they laid all of those out. Yep. I was like, this is a fucking goldmine of a half hour. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's not all. And there's way too many Easter. There's so much fucking shit in that show. <laughs> just like. Oh, I gotta take my sweatshirt off. Like, We're gonna talk he, Stephen like, King. Chastise fans like he's like, don't stop looking for Stephen King Easter eggs. Like, just let the show be the show. It's so fucking hard. It takes place in your in your fictitious town that you created just to be able to tell stories. Like, uh, yeah, man. All right. Well, we're gonna head. So, I've consumed in the last two weeks since we recorded. I've consumed so much media. I don't know where to begin. Like I, like, oh, that's exciting. I watched all three seasons of Rick and Morty. What? I know. I. Uh, you should text Crams. I, I did. And I <laughs> oh, was you like, did. Of course, you did. Sorry. I text him. I'm like, you were right about everything. Like Rick and Morty is totally where it's at. Like that might be. It might be. Uh, yeah, I don't have any problem saying this. It's easily in the top five most intelligent television shows I've ever watched. Whoa! Oh my god! It, well, I'm so just, glad to hear that. It's so like Ash even said because she's like, "Do you think I would like that show?" I was like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> and uh, she's like, "I was like, why do you say that?" And she's like, "You have because she'd be doing something in the house, and I would just have an episode on." She's like, "I heard you laugh, like belly laugh." full belly laugh out loud more times in the week that you've been watching this show than you have in the last six months. It just like, she's like, it hits and it totally does. It struck this chord with me. It's just super smart and super intelligent. And, uh, Oh my gosh. 
for season Hoi two moto. moto. Yeah, for Mr. Mercedes. I gotta see it. I gotta see I looked. That. It's not available so we can get DVDs oh, of season okay. one, but it's not available on streaming that I could find. Son of a bitch. See, like they get you committed to streaming and then have shit's not on there. What the fuck? I'm committed. Like I'm on like. Well, because now they're selling the services. Yeah. Don't get me started. Like the individual <laughs> channel services. So you're going to end up yes. having cable anyways because you're going to buy the streaming for each yeah, of those channels. Yeah. You'll spend as much, but just to collect and aggregate all the fucking yeah, things. <laughs> the fucking, like, now I'm going to go to Time Warner just to go back to Time Warner. Just to save money on streaming, like that's like where it was the other way before. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, because this this is this is ultimately uh, a cable centric service, or what's that? I'm sure there's some the what is it? Moto can tell us whatever the it, it's some sort of. I can't think of the name of the service. Uh, there's got to be some kind of online equivalent, but satellite or it's through satellite it is much more tied to cable i guess than most of these things seem to be oh there's like sling tv is like that and uh there is a there is oh, a direct tv version um yeah it, it's all stupid it's just like <laughs> just give us the audience fucking, network what yeah the fuck? there you go like just give us the fucking media you know like you want to tack commercials on the beginning and end of it? Put them on there. I don't care. Just make it available, and so we can watch it whenever we want to watch it. Like, I'm checking to see if it's on iTunes. Sometimes, like, you can get stuff on iTunes episodically. Yeah. Uh, it annoys me, but it's, at least it's an option. So, um, oh, but yeah, so I'm yeah, I, very Rick, cool about Rick and Morty. That's, Rick and Morty. So <laughs> now we should Castle have Rock, back. Rick and Morty. Uh, I, I I binged this past weekend. I binged the entire second season of Stranger Things. I Ash and I started it, and then we never made it all the way through. And then it had been so long that I just started it over because I didn't remember, you know that like the those shows that are made for streaming, they give no shits about like catching you up from episode to episode. So like it's just basically a, a nine hour long movie. Yeah. And uh, so I just started it over and Jesus fucking Christ. Like that was fantastic. Like I know people had mixed reviews about that too. I don't know what they're mixed about. That was fucking great. Like the end of that, I was like weeping. It was so like awesome and upbeat and goddamn am I in love with Steve? Like he's just such <laughs> like that was a great choice they made with that character. Yes. It, I mean, because he could have just been a douche the whole time, right? Like, still been a douche for them. But, like, him and Dustin, like, I saw. Oh, yeah. Couldn't get enough of that. I know. And I saw, like, I saw this photo of them on a red carpet, and they're, like, buddies in real life. Like, in, like, or at least this photo makes it look that way. And, like, he's giving them the hair tips, and he, like, they're in. <laughs> When they're in the car and he's like, he's like, just don't even care. And like, I'm not going to care. And like, and, and he's like, listen, you look fan. He's giving him like that pep talk. Like you look fantastic. Like you look good. Just go out there and just do your thing. Like. <laughs> Moto just went, did you see that so youtube has this great thing now where they will hold comments remember how we used to get trolled oh yeah they'll hold those now um and so i just approved it so we could see moto say uh and, and joe pesci lethal weapon fashion they fuck you with the streaming first they sell you then they fuck you they know you're gonna be miles away before you find out you got fucked <laughs> you son of a bitch you dumb son of a bitch <laughs> 
<laughs> Good call, Moto. <laughs> oh, man. So, and uh, and then last Thursday, I had possibly, this is my Palmer's pleasure. I'm just going to go for it. Oh. Palmer's pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I had one of the best movie-going experience that I've had in such a long time. Um, so I, I teased this. I teased it on our text thread, our private text thread, and then I modified that text to a tease on uh, onto Reddit. Uh, earlier this summer, I had tweeted out a trailer to a movie called Mandy. Um <laughs> M-A-N-D-Y. Uh, and, and all I saw, and the reason I tweeted it out was this is the movie that's going to revive Nicolas Cage's career. That, that's what everybody, like, like that was the only blurb that came with this trailer. And then you watch the trailer and it's fucking mind melting. Like you don't get <laughs> it. it uh, well, unbeknownst to me, there was a limited screening last thursday i just happened to see, like i saw it blurb across the algorithm that's just what i'm going to refer to that as the that creepy internet thing that kind of picks up what you do and feeds the <laughs> shit to you so the yeah. algorithm had like was all of a sudden all my ads the limited amount of ads that still pop up to me they were all like opening this week mandy opening this week mandy you know and like and so then i got on and saw it wasn't playing at, at any of my normal theaters that I go to, but I did find it at a Regal. There was one showtime on Thursday listed. And I told and it was kind of a fluke. And I'm so glad that I did it. I almost didn't do it. Uh, but I was like, I, I just told Ash, I was like, I gotta go see this movie. It, the trailer it was that intriguing to me. And I went and saw this movie. And it's, it was so amazing. And I can't, like, I came home and I told Ash, I was like, this movie is so good, but I can't think of one person that I could recommend it to. Like, it's just like every person that I would think like, oh, I could tell them about it. Then I'm like, oh no, but there's that one thing in there that if they saw that, like they would, they would not like it. <laughs> <laughs> And, and like every person, I was like, "Oh, if I could just maybe this." No, there's that one thing. And, and in so now in a week, I'm I've racked my brain and I've only come up with two people that I have thought I could recommend this movie to. One of them was my nephew, who I didn't recommend it because he doesn't go see movies. And the other one was Doctor Pumps Russell, <laughs> like. Uh. And I, and I and I hope he didn't if he ever watches that movie and he ever hears me saying this, I hope he doesn't get offended by that. But I sent him the trailer and was just like, if this is playing anywhere near you, you should see it because I think you would like it. Uh and and I'm sure that you would like it. I'm sure uh, you know, if Twinkie saw it, he would like it. Um there's just it, it it's directed by the same guy that directed on episode seven. We talked about a movie, a little movie called 
Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, and this guy's name is uh, Panos Cosmatos. Cosmatos, right? Yeah. And uh, he, I, Beyond the Black Rainbow is a really, it's, and Dave, you watched that one. It's kind of a hard sell. Like, it, like, well, it's a great sell. It's a it's a little oh, bit yeah. more of a difficult movie yeah. to watch or or to appreciate fully. But I did I did like it. I'm really glad. It's, that was the movie that he uh, or the you sold to me as the movie that this guy made based on having seen the cover art for video boxes. What he thought they might be about. Yeah, he wasn't. He was very restricted in what he was allowed to watch. Yeah, but but he all went to the video store and so and 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 movie boxes are something that we've talked about over and over again on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And that was the entrance point to that movie was because that's what he talked about. He's like, I always wanted to make the movie that I thought was behind those boxes. And I'm totally paraphrasing that. And, uh, um, Mandy is his follow-up to that. And fine. I found out because, at the end of that, they tagged on. I don't think it was live, but they tagged on a 30 minute QA with Panos, Nick Cage, Linus Roche, ho hosted by Kevin fucking Smith. What? I, so after I got to see this amazing movie, I got to sit through this 33 minute QA. Where Kevin Smith is just like drilling them with questions and them talking about the movie. And uh, I bet there was a 30 minute intro from Kevin Smith prior to that. Actually, <laughs> not. So that's what, that's what I have queued up. Uh, so, oh, great. So because yeah, I want to watch the trailer. I remember you sending the trailer quite a while back and I was like, this is a fucking long walk short drink movie. Oh, if ever there was one. Yeah. Because at that time, I don't think you had realized that it was a, that it was the follow-up director for no, Beyond the Black I, Rainbow. I did, I did not. And it, I think it says it in the trailer, like from the visionary director of Beyond the Black Rainbow. There's like a quick blurb of that, maybe. But what really caught my eye when I first tweeted, when I first sent out that trailer was just, this is the movie that's going to bring Nick Cage's career back, which in, some would argue, like, bring it back from, like, what do you what do you mean bring it back? He's always been Nick Cage and... uh I honestly yeah, you can count on him being Nick Cage. <laughs> He's Nick Cage as fuck in this, though. It looks like. <laughs> oh man, like, I can't remember the last Nick Cage movie that I saw. Like I'm just I'm on here right now, just trying to look back. As far as like if you were going, the trust paid goes the runner. I probably saw Bl Bad Lieutenant two. But I don't remember it really well. And that was probably Stone. five years ago. Ghost Rider, maybe. I saw driving. No. Yeah, I think. Oh, I did see Sorcerer's Apprentice. I really like that. <laughs> uh, oh, kick Why ass. Tickle me so much. Oh, yeah. What a great use of him in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, but then, but there, there's literally like, I just, I just scrolled through 30 movies to get back to that, that I just haven't seen. Right. On his IMDb page. And so. Man, Ash is making something that smells fantastic. Uh, let me bring let me bring the trailer up. We'll watch the trailer yeah. first. Now this oh, is exciting. Wrong, wrong, wrong keyboard. 
Um, but then I have queued up kind of like the, it, it, it's basically the director's take on what he was trying to make. Uh, so from the, from that Q and a now the Q and a that I got to see was like head. It was, it was shot really well, like head on. This is like somebody recording it with their cell phone in the audience of that Q and a. So it's like off to the side. Um, but we'll watch the trailer first. Like smoking, he smokes through the whole thing. Oh, I've been thinking a lot about Wild at Heart recently, and this is very reminiscent of that so far. <laughs> Wretched warlock reached into the dark embrace. His fist closed around the serpent's eye. Strange and eternal. I need you to get me that girl I saw. Do you know what to do? special one, Mandy. I, too, am a special one. Let us be. That shot is probably one of the best shots I've ever seen in a movie. So what you gonna do with that thing? We're going home. So what you want? That's the guy from Pred the Predator, by the way. You think you're so in love? I'll show you love. Oh man, they wronged you. You exude the cosmic darkness. It glowed from within, strange and eternal. And soon, that's how it ends. Is soon that I'm going to tell you right now makes me want to watch it like i want i need i almost need to see it again now like <laughs> it's I, I it's so fucking good so let's oh and it's available oh is it <laughs> yeah that's so it's so crazy that i mean it's not crazy that we're talking about it but what is crazy is the bride brought it up over the weekend we were considering watching something together and she had heard about it from some and then she's like let me look at this and then she like looked at looked into her for like 30 seconds she's like no uh-uh this is not for me <laughs> but i was like don't let her watch it don't let her watch it like you gotta watch no, it by yourself she will but i i will i'm i mean i'm a little scared of it but i'm excited to see it <laughs> well maybe this will help sell it more so let me jump over to this q a and so you can kind of hear um i'm scared in a good way like i'm i it looks amazing 
It, it's so good. So uh, here's here. It's going to start with Kevin Smith asking a question, and then Panos kind of responds to that. And this is where it really, if if everything else like that, it's we've already done an episode on his other movie. It's got Nick Cage being this like hyper realistic version of Nicolas Cage as a as a logger from 1983 you know and like oh, is that what it is yeah oh, wow. he's a logger and uh he drives a 78 Bronco and like super fast at all times and like forges a fucking axe to go hunt these people with like Jesus is it so it's so awesome like there's just there's so much to it, and it's one of those that, like, the every time you watch it, you're going to see something different because there's so much crammed into this little. It's it's not super long. It says it's uh, how long does it say on here? Doesn't IMDb usually have a length on it? Oh yeah, two hour one minute. So it's not terribly long in today's standards. You know, like usually movies are going two and a half hours even. Uh, but it's so fucking good. But let's let's hear let, let, let's hear right from the director, and then I'll come back and we'll wrap this up, and then we can go all fucking we can go on something else. These ones that I was dealing with, you know. Um, that, that, when I sit there and watch this flick, uh, number one, I, I I'm ashamed to also call myself a filmmaker because I'm like that's fucking filmmaking. Like as I watched it and as I pulled apart the color palette, everything about it. Um, seemed so precise, seemed like such a choice. And I know that it's a job of choices, but I look at your work and I'm like, wow, he made all the right choices. Um, <laughs> how, how do you communicate something like this? Like, we got to see it, so we're like, oh, fuck. How do you communicate something like this to people when it doesn't exist? That's a good question. I mean, I think it's because the way that it's created to begin with is like a very iterative process. It's not just like, I'm like, oh, I want to tell a story about a logger who goes on a killing spree to avenge his loved one. It's like, it's like, I love... Wait, is that what that was about? No. <laughs> it's like, I love revenge movies. I'm interested by how they make me feel. And so I'm going to start writing a revenge movie. And then I just start building like a, like a, like a catalog of images and songs and uh, thoughts. And, 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 and you know, and, and it starts to build that way. Like this weird iterative kind of like, like almost more like kind of like, mashing a sculpture together from pieces of clay and weird things you find instead of sort of starting from the uh, uh, thought of I'm going to tell a story and then sitting down at the typewriter and writing. It's a very iterative, it's a very visually and sonically based process that sort of uh, evolves over time. That sounds like art. Um, let me ask you this, man. When you have a script for, for uh, Mandy, is it... Uh, well, I guess I should ask them more than you, but is it evident on the page, like what we saw when you guys both first saw the script, where you're like, oh, I got it down cold? Or did you have to have it, have it explained to you? Or like, this is the vision? We'll start with you, Mike. Uh, to be frank, I, I didn't get it. First time I read it, I was like, I, I have no frame of reference for this. I, don't know what it is. Uh, but you were a product as a Riddick. But, but you, <laughs> true, true, guilty as charged. Yeah. That's a great place to end it, right there. Because <laughs> he's bitching about 
how he didn't get it. And then if he didn't catch the joke, because it's here, they're like laughing over it. But he's like, but you were in Chronicles of Riddick, which if you've seen Chronicles of Riddick, that one is on the first go. It's a little hard to understand what's going on. I was trying to think what I knew that guy from. And I realized like to me, he's Bruce Wayne's dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's. I guess he was in this last season of Homeland. If you watch Homeland. Oh, he's I had, but not that I, we stopped watching it. So I hadn't seen him. in. Uh, so he's really big in the he's been stealing the show in Homeland, I guess. Um, let me see what else he's been in. Because he's very, he is very um, recognizable. In a uh, way, like I didn't recognize him in in the trailer, though. I uh, there oh, were yeah, times he's... when, like the I, I'm guessing her name is Mandy, <laughs> the yep. actress that would have played that was shown, and then I who seems this guy seems to be the villain. Like there was a minute where there was. A sh- that shot of him straight on, I thought maybe it was her at first. That's what I was saying. That It's one of the best shots I've ever seen in a movie or one of the best shots I've seen in a movie in a long time where that's all during uh, an acid trip. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much because I know you'll watch it and really like yeah, it. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> um, but like he plays the this cult leader of this like acid burnout christian cult basically and he's the leader of them and that happens during an acid trip with mandy and him and the other members of this cult and to visualize that tripping they they fade back and forth between it's the same shot her face and his face oh and it like and it slowly, like you're breathing, like super slow, it slowly just turns into her and then slowly starts to like, is that her or is that him? And then it's like, oh, it's him. And then it's like, wait, is it her or is it? Him? It's like you're tripping as an audience member. It's so well done that you question and it's on and it's happening so slowly and in the, the like to take the time as a filmmaker to be like i'm going to put 4 minutes of film which i know it's not really film probably but like for 4 minutes of my 2 hour long movie i'm going to slowly fade these superimpositions back and forth to the point that as an audience member the whole time you're like, is that her or him? Oh, it's her. Oh, wait, no. Is it her or him? No, it's him. Wait, is it her or him? Oh, it's her. And it that happens like three or four times before you realize they're fucking with me. Like, he is Whoa. fucking with me. Like, <laughs> it's so well done. That shot is so well done that it literally made me feel like I had dropped a blotter acid before a, a tab of blotter acid before I went into the movie. Like <laughs> it, it's so, and I've never done acid before and that I, and I mean, that's the truth. I've never done acid before, but that's what it felt like. I, I that's what I would imagine it would feel like it, it, So w- when Kevin Smith is kind of like gushing about how like, this is art and that, like I thought I made films until I saw like, he's, I, I don't know if that was in the part that I, but he, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he oh, said that toward the beginning. Um, when he first starts that Q and A, he's like, "It's so great to like be standing in front of an audience that just watched a movie that they like, 
Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was not part of it. Yeah. Uh, But um, he kind of like Kevin Smith kind of gushes over this and rightfully so like the um, when he says that line, like, I know that filmmaking is a craft of choices, but I when I watch this, I feel like you made all the right choices. Uh, Oh, man, is it? Beyond the Black Rainbow is really good for a certain type of person who likes movies, right? Um, and I feel like for a certain type of per, if you know, like, like we came into it, we like that, uh, the that idea about the box art and everything. But it is a very like uh, he talks about it in the first time that Panos talks. He's he wrote both of those movies at the same time. He wrote Beyond the really? Black Rainbow and Mandy at the same time. And he kind of just volleyed back and forth, I guess, between the two, because he said, like, this is like the the antidote to Beyond the Black Rainbow, because Beyond the Black Rainbow was so compressive and so isolated. And like, you know, that's all about like confined spaces. She's in a cell. And then you realize like the doctor's kind of in his own cell because he's on this compound all the time. And like, uh, whereas this one is is like open and and there's world building and and it's a fucking revenge flick that's just like i mean it's as good as old boy in my opinion like it's wow yeah uh which when you know when you realize that's what it is it's like yeah this is a long long short drink movie all the way through like i i can't say enough good things about it like just as much as kevin smith was gushing so exciting i'm gushing like it 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 was so good and then to get like so it was a it was a special screening it's not playing in my area anymore like it was just that one night that one show time that it played in my area it was full of people that were either there because they knew this director or they knew that this was a special engagement or they loved Nicolas Cage. So like they all laughed at the right things and they all, it was, it was as good as like a midnight screening where it was people there that wanted to be there instead of like, well, we didn't know what to see. So we're here now, you know, uh, Oh, it was just a great movie going experience. And then you got a great movie. And then you got that great, awesome half hour with Kevin Smith asking, which if you didn't notice, Nick Cage is wearing a gold blazer. Leather pants. Shiny, like almost patent leather, leather pants. Like they're so shiny. Giant gold rings on his hand and huge, like takes up one third of his face glass sunglasses. Uh, and he's of course like 100% Nicholas Cage. All of those questions that he answers from uh, Kevin oh, Smith, which is great. Yeah, he didn't talk uh, in that clip, but I wanted him, I was hoping that he would. Yeah, because <laughs> well, he, he looked a lot like uh, Say, his Sailor Ripley, like uh, from Wild at Heart, where he's just like, the snakeskin jacket is a, is a symbol of my individuality. Yes, in my- <laughs> yes. like, and he talks about how he got uh, Pano. I will say this piece, like Panos wanted him to play Linus Roche's character, like the, the oh, leader of the cult. The villain. I could cut, well, I don't know if he's the villain, but he seemed to be. That and, makes sense too, yeah. Yeah. And uh 
he somehow convinced Panos, like when he read it, like, no, I need to play the the main the protagonist, which is so good because even even Nicolas Cage is like, I'm so glad that I did that because Linus really stole the show as and Kevin Smith says that like that guy as the villain he is the villain um Jeremiah Sand isn't that a great villain name like it's a fantastic villain name yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is fucking amazing and uh the la- the the last scene you'll know it's the last scene that's not a spoiler but the last scene he yeah it's so fucking good like i just <laughs> i don't want to spoil anything for you other than if i already haven't if i'm already risking that i have which i hope i haven't but like i said in my tweet there's a 78 bronco a dick knife a tiger something else all in the same mood what do they have in common and it's fucking mandy like <laughs> <laughs> like God damn, it's so good. I, I, I love that it is the. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm almost like second guessing. Like, don't I? I can't think of anybody to suggest this to. Just go fucking see it. I'm gonna take that back. Like, go see it. Like, now that I watched the trailer again and that little blurb of the Q and A, I'm just like, fuck it. If you get offended, you get offended. Hopefully, you. If you're this far, oh, it. That looks like a movie that is. Yeah filled with offensive things yeah I think that's yeah. not unintentional um man is it so fucking good there is this it looks unhinged that's yeah. what it looks like to where there's no there's no room for propriety of any kind <laughs> it's just like that's what it seems like anyway yeah like a, he, he looks like a like a berserker like he's covered in blood and and, and fil- like wielding a, a chainsaw <laughs> i don't know it's yeah, I oh, think of, offensive is probably There's, an understatement with that movie, but I mean that in, in, in to say that I can't wait to see it. <laughs> when he is at his rock bottom in the movie, this is no spoiler too, he, there is a scene that it, it represents his rock bottom where he's like, he's faced with the choice of does he go for revenge or does he not? And it's him coming to terms with all of that. And it takes place in a bathroom. And it's like the movie takes place in 1984, I think. Again, kind of tying into that movie box idea. Yeah. It looks like it was shot in 1984. Like it's got like the texture to it. Like so it it feels a little grainy, like a VHS cassette, almost like Beyond the Black Rainbow did. Yeah. but he's in this bathroom that is like pure 1970s, like just oranges and browns, like burnt oranges and browns is like the color palette of this bathroom. And it's just, it's just him, a bottle of vodka in his underwear, just like stomping around this little six foot by six foot bathroom, chugging vodka and pouring it on his wounds and just going, and just like and just like oh you're it's so fucking amazing just like uh, like in their tiny whitey underwear and he's just it's so good oh 
That's what you want. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily want that for Nick Cage as an experience in life, but that's what I want Nick Cage uh, doing for sure in and movies. It's, it's so, it's, again, this is why Pianos is so good. It goes beyond the point of un, of being uncomfortable with that happening. And that's all that happens. And it's so long. Like, you're forced to look at it that for so long that it, at first it's absurd and then you're uncomfortable and then you feel terrible for this man. Like, oh man, it's just, wow. it's so it good. It sounds like it bridges this very, or, or I don't know. I'm just drawing conclusions based on what you've shown us and, and told us, but, and what he said, I was very fascinated that he said he wanted to make a revenge movie and he was fascinated by how revenge movies made him feel. Yeah. And between what that, the trailer and like what kind of what you're saying it seems like it's a combination of something that's like cartoonish over the top, but that at times gets down to like the marrow of the reality of the the situation as well. Like the violence of like him contemplating, I guess that yeah, where yeah, you're I, deeply unsettled or, or is it veer more towards the cartoonish, um, which I'm fine with. No, all of it. It's a spectrum. It's all of it. It's, it's gritty. It's realistic. It is, uh cartoonish that like there's it's a mixed media movie so there are literal cartoon segments like kill bill you know like yeah um but and this is what i thought when i watched it you know how when you watch a quentin tarantino movie he's obsessed with that like 70s era right and and so yeah yeah um, a lot some of his stuff is set in that era like some of his period pieces let's say but they they look like a modern retelling, even like his World War Two, like like Inglorious Bastards. It feels like a modern play of that time period, right? Like in, mm-hmm. in all fantasy, of course it's fantasy, so it, that set aside. But when you're watching it, you know it's not this. You feel like it. Somebody walked into a video store in 1984 and picked this up as a new release. Like it looks like it was made Ooh, in, that go. Con- in that time period. <laughs> that like that makes me want to watch it right now. The type of animation <laughs> that they use is like, have you ever seen Heavy Metal? Like the movie Heavy, the animated oh, no. movie. Heavy, I've heavy never Metal? actually seen that. I know uh, of it. Okay, but, but you I've know that animation it. style that like 80s. Yeah. So the animation segments they're in that style. Like they they look like they were animated in 1984. The uh, another. This is the last thing I'll end on. So the soundtrack is very similar to beyond the black rainbows like a lot of like very synth heavy tones like just it's very tonal where there's just like long notes being held like throughout a scene you know uh on a synthesizer um but it was the first time that he had worked with this composer who is i just had it johan johansson yes i don't i'm probably saying that wrong there is a there's a tragic portion in that that man passed away after I don't know if he the committed composer. Yeah, I don't know if he committed oh. suicide or, but uh, they bring that up in the in the interview and uh, pa- Panos is like I thought that I had found a kindred spirit in him. Like I like when I when we made this movie, I of course loved everything that he was doing. And again, I'm paraphrasing. I loved everything he was doing, but I was more excited for what we were going to work on next. Like, like watching our relationship grow 
and I'm devastated that I'll never get to work with him again. Like it, it's heartbreaking. Like oh, Panos man. is is when you if you watch that Q and A, he is kind of a heartbreaking man. Like it's it's it you can tell that it's really hard for him to be on that stage. It's really hard for him to be talking about his work to, to Kevin Smith in, in front of a crowd of people. Like he says, he's like, I can only watch beyond the black rainbow. If I'm by myself in my basement, that's the only way I've, I've been able to watch it because hmm. he's so self-conscious of it. And, uh, um, yeah, I, I recommend that QA. I recommend going and fucking seeing Mandy any way you can. Uh turn out the lights and just go along for the ride and and just remember rah, 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 like just fucking goddamn <laughs> is it just so good. Uh yeah. it looks like it's available on Amazon Prime, on YouTube, and Google Play. Oh uh, for like about seven dollars or less. So uh, I'll be digging into that this weekend. I'm, totally, I'm excited. Totally worth the seven. Like you please. Like call or text me and let me know. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> what you think? I I'm I I hope I'm not overselling it. I don't think I can though. I don't think I can. No, it it all feels right in line with like seeing the preview of my level of in. Well, so I I'd be in from the preview, but everything that you've told me and then seeing that Q and A and stuff, it all just sort of enhances like what I would hope. <laughs> so that's kind of great. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Man. Good. Mandy, go see it. Jesus, what Woo. a great fucking movie. I hope I didn't spoil anything. Uh I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'll, all I have to I now I'm be looking forward to that that amazing shot and then the, <laughs> the <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> And just like he like chugs a third of the bottle of vodka and then he pours another third like on open wounds. So oh he's like God. like the pain from it being in his that like just chugging and then the pain from it in his open wounds and then the pain from what he's dealing with and like and he and you can see him reacting to all of that pain at the same time and just like i said it just goes it, it, he panos holds you on that for so long that it's absurd and comical and then it's uncomfortable and then it's just heartbreaking and a lot of directors, especially directors that have only directed one other movie, <laughs> would not have the wherewithal to know how long they have to hold on that. Uh, or or even like less directors would probably be like, well, we're just going to go like this. The first 30 seconds is going to get that like Nicolas Cage absurdity. That's what people are going for. And then like maybe a little more refined or talented director would be like okay well let's hold it for another minute so then we make people feel uncomfortable they get that and then they're going to feel because then they're feeling something other than like comedy they know we're going for something more than comedy but then like panos is like okay i want him to feel bad like we need to feel bad bad for this guy and and so that's where he gets the other minute from you know and just he like just holds your nose in it long enough so that you you know how you ah, man yeah he, he just jesus good shit i i'm so excited to see what this guy makes for his third movie like <laughs> you know, like ah uh, oh, yeah so good so nicholas cage reminds me like when i when i think of and hear of stories like that you know last time we were talking about adam driver and how 
he's got this uncanny naturalism about him to where sometimes you're like, I wonder how much of that was just, it just always feels so spontaneous. Yeah. Um, Nicholas Cage to me feels when he's big like that and, or where he's given these like opportunities to really shine or where they let him be big or whatever. It's, he makes these big, it's almost like, I feel like I've never been in an acting class, uh, but it feels like acting class type work that I've heard of that, by some accounts and some people would say like, it's like quote unquote sort of bad or cheesy or over the top, but there's something about, I don't know if it's just the way that he goes for it so completely and the, or that people give him license to do that um, and see it through to the point to where you get past the big to the, to the, to the genuine portion. I don't know. It's weird. Like, no, I can't think of other people that occupy that space in movies. Like, like you, like you use his, we can use his name like as a verb and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but it's, yeah, it somehow works. It's not just ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's pretty remarkable. So it's like, I can kind of envision it in my head in a way already, but I know it sounds like it's going to be, it's going to exceed because he can do that. Yep. I lost my hand. I lost my wife. Like he's always so, yeah. it's so much, but it's also so great. And then to have it be ultimately like genuine somewhere underneath all that. Yep. Yeah. It's, he, he's a, he's a remarkable guy. Practical. Did you know they do a, a film festival with him called no. like cage fest? <laughs> No, I heard about this last year. I was looking it up a little bit. Um, they, they, uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm reading this from the Nerdist. This is, um, well, it's January of 2017. It says every year in honor of Nicholas Cage's birthday, which is technically, oh, whatever. The Austin Alamo draft house has held a five ish movie th- marathon dubbed caged, um, never revealing the films in advance. Uh, and never, so they show his movies and stuff. And last year he showed up. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and he read, he loves Edgar Allan Poe. And he read the Telltale Heart aloud. <laughs> it, it takes like 12 minutes. It's on, uh, it's online. It's on, I'll tweet, I'll, I'm going to send you this Nerdist thing. It's probably too long for us to watch together and yeah. stuff, but, but you should see it. And I, I heard it. I heard it on something, uh, the end. Cause I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but like, that's the story where there's like, um, there's a buried body essentially yep. in the, he, the, 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 guilt. the heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. So by the end, like the narrator's built up to this fever pitch and then you got Nicholas Cage reading it and he's wearing not something too dissimilar from what you, uh, he was in that. He likes Q&A. his jackets. Yeah, and sunglasses, and yeah. by the end, he's just like screaming about the heart. <laughs> it's it's incredible. I can't wait to watch that. Like, yeah. it, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, why did I stop watching Nicholas? Like, when did Nicholas Cage well, become like a? I mean, a joke? we you all know. know. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> I don't know when, but definitely did. The bees from the Wicker Man. That's the that's the thing. I like that really got memed. Like have you that? seen that uh i've heard of the wicker man like i guess it's a 70s movie that has a lot of music in it and that's very well revered and his is less so <laughs> his remake is. yeah uh, so let me let me see if i can find that because that one should be quick um i'm noticing when i just googled mandy there's one thing from like an hour ago from movie web that says nicholas cage thinks cage rage memes are hurting his new movie mandy <laughs> yeah and uh 
the, so in my in my exposure to the internet and their ability to memeify pretty much anything like and you never know what's going to become memeified and uh what's going to blow up but i can i can trace back to this scene from the wicker man that really kicked it off and then have you and then i remember somebody as a prank this was a while ago too somebody in their family had hate hated nicholas cage so while they were away on vacation the person house sitting had printed out all these different stickers different size stickers of nicholas cage's face and replaced the fate like just stuck these stickers on photos for people's faces um everywhere so like you open cupboards there was nick cage's face and it just blew up into the i think that that just those are the two things that i remember first of that i guess if that's the what the term we're going to call it is cage rage but it, it's not just rage because it's always like it's that photo of him where he's like He's got that. You know that look what I. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm I, not sure I do, but it, like it's always it's big. Like he goes yeah. big. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, here let let's uh, me share. This will be I mean, Jesus Christ. It was like what twenty two years ago that Leaving Las Vegas came out, and he was did he win the Oscar? For yeah, that? I, I think, think he, he might won. have. I, I don't want to yeah. speak too soon because I'm. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did though. I know Elizabeth Shue did. I know he was at least nominated for that movie. And that was like, I feel like that was like the peak of his like critical credibility. Yeah. Yeah. He was, um, he was not like funny in that. Not, not in a way that people would make fun of. Yeah. I think they try sometimes, but <laughs> I, I remember, um, just before that too, uh, honeymoon in vegas yeah and i think this is just after so like you can tell in wild at heart he's doing a big like elvis kick and uh and in honeymoon in vegas there's a lot of like elvis stuff and sarah jessica parker in the most amazing white dress <laughs> like fucking look that up movie up for just that dress <laughs> uh but there's this moment in that that i was so deeply abused by at the time that i used to rewind you know in vcrs you be you could hit rewind on some models and it would just go back a few seconds yeah yeah not so i would do that and he would he was talking to nicholas cage he wore this like blue suit i wonder if i still I used to have that on VHS for the longest time. Oh, I probably got rid of it. See? Fuck. Anyway, but he's like saying this thing. <laughs> he was going like, he's saying what could happen if she does this, that, or the other. And he's talking normally, talking normally, saying this could happen, this could happen, and then you're going to end up with these people. And believe me, they will drug you! <laughs> <laughs> to rewind it endlessly it was like so incongruous with the rest of the movie that he just suddenly flips out so my i hope that's memed my nick cage growing up was uh raising arizona nick cage oh like, yeah oh yeah i came to that later but that's that's prime <laughs> and, and in my opinion holly hunter is more nick cage more modern nick cage than nick oh, cage yeah. is in that movie yeah. but he yeah she's like talking in the car with him and then she's like that and like that moment she's like talking talking then she goes i love him so much yes yeah uh and my family loved raising arizona which is funny because like you know cohen movies are would be are lost on them now but like we all loved raising arizona uh 
but that was my Nick Cage. And then, uh, and then of course, like the, the, like the rock and, uh, Con Air. I fucking hate Con Air. <laughs> I lo- the thing that amuses me about Con Air so much is that it came out like two or three years after Hard Target with Van Damme, which was John Woo's first movie. Yeah, and literally, I think I sent it to the cast thread one time, so I'll find it and retweet it. But it's the same like they dressed N- Nicolas Cage's wardrobe and hair are the exact same yep. as Jean-Claude Van Damme's and hard target, which is a weird, like long haired mullet thing with a, with a strap shirt and jeans and, and, and hiking boots. And then there's this, at one point there's the same shot of him running away from an exploding helicopter. Yep. <laughs> oh man. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, I, in my opinion, this is the scene I think that contributed to this cage rage internet sensation that Nick Cage has become. I sure as hell hope it's not hurting Mandy. I I can't imagine I can't imagine anything hurting this movie. If they would just give it a wide release and just I think it would I think it could easily become like a a sleeper hit in some way where it would just like it would slowly creep up over time. I I would go see it I've looked, I've checked for theaters in my area playing it so I could go see it again. That's how. And now that I know I could get it on one of those streaming services, I might rent it just to be able to watch it again. It, it It's that good. Um, but let, let, let me play this. This is the B scene from The Wicker Man, uh, nice. which is when you see it, you'll understand like how I think this is what caused the rage cage. You bitches! You bitches! This is murder! Murder! You'll all be guilty! And you're doing it for nothing! Killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey! But I know it will. the knee breaking i'm just going for the bees it's brutal yeah <laughs> there's bees coming <laughs> here here they come oh, yeah. oh, no, don't move it. Ah! oh those men are nihilist donnie <laughs> what is it what, what is that what is that what is it oh no, no not the bees not the bees ah! i don't have my eyes Okay, that's enough. 
Oh, that's such like, see, that's what happens if you go big like that. You're at the mercy of the director fucking you. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he didn't have, they didn't have to include him. Like, I'm sure there's ways in the match that could be helpful, you know, like saying, so you know what's happening, my eyes and stuff. Uh, yeah. It, well, and, and they're like wrong. CGI bees. That's the yeah. other, like, they're like, it's bad computer graphics and, uh, he narrated that whole thing, though. Yeah. <laughs> and they let him. That was probably the problem. Yeah. Oh. Moto, Moto was saying uh, Nick Cage, one of the greatest actors of our time, which which was something. That was a joke, for, the Ojimbo joke. Well, I don't think he meant it to be a joke at the time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Ooh, I hit my teeth on the mic. Maybe he did. I remember it was about Ghost Rider, though. <laughs> and Lost Highway. I haven't seen Lost Highway. Oh, yeah, that's a cool one, uh, David Lynch movie. That's a movie I think I saw at midnight at in my late teens, like when I first could go to midnight movies. It's a perfect midnight movie. I think I saw it. So there's Montrose and the other side, General Cinemas. I yep. saw it at the General Cinema. One of those is shut myself. down now. There's only one now. Of the oh, that, that's sad. It's, that was such a fun dynamic like growing up uh, and being able to you know, get your license and being able to go up there and, and take between the two pick. of them everything would play because they yeah wouldn't have everything wide release so yeah. like you could you could you could see anything that was out um, yeah mm. i liked the experience well they were different um but i there, there was i had a definite fondness for uh general cinemas but uh yeah lost highway is a it's a cool like creepy lynch film um Speaking of, of lynch i read this thing on reddit that said he created these webisodes that are that like all it, they're animated and they have they're about m- moths or something, <laughs> but psychologists use them to create existential panic in subjects. Like they will show these to people to get an existential response out of them. Like, Wow. I mean, man, that guy knows something about the brain and knows how to trigger. And I feel like he's one of those people that's just trying to process how he deals with the world through his filmmaking. But yeah, guys fucked up. Yeah. I've actually been, uh, I just started, I've spent the better part of this entire year in twin peaks actually. Um, and I just started his, um, the revival of that you mean, right? Well, I started with the revival and then I went back to the beginning to this like expansive box set that they put out that included then this thing they called the missing pieces. So once I finish a few things, I'll definitely make it like a point of talking more about it. But I, I just started, um, his uh memoir that i definitely will talk tons about once i finished it but it's very cool it's called room to dream and um i'm listening to the audiobook and i have the physical book both are great uh that'll be a dave's digs down the line but maybe we take a short break and then i'll come back and give my current yeah uh obsession. yep and and see mandy let's wrap that up where oh yes please fucking go see mandy just any way you can yeah. see it go see it i'm gonna retract my i only know two people to recommend this to fuck it if you don't like it then just go watch something else but go see this support this this movie this small movie from an amazing director an amazing actor who greatest actor of our time <laughs> yeah and <laughs> And uh, the the second greatest actor of our time because uh, I mean maybe one of them though Linus, I don't know Linus there's something special Rush about is, that guy is amazing so uh, in it as well so um, yeah 
but no, I have to piss too. So let's go piss and we'll come back and uh, take it from oh, there. there's Tank. Oh, <laughs> Tank has to go to bed. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we'll be back. format let me tell you <laughs> yeah you can't uh, see him <laughs> yeah um but normally when i do any kind of crowd work like that after a piss break we'll instantly lose that that new viewer uh <laughs> we didn't lose them which makes me think that it's a regular so so much so much crowd work that i witness is always like so what do you do for a living yeah <laughs> it's always that yeah <laughs> Um, we should ask that i guess next time <laughs> so uh if for some reason you're not a regular let's let's just run through these all again uh before we move on to our our dave's dig and then we'll wrap up with yeah. our king corner king um make sure that you are subs- oh well no we could do this too first go to audibletrial.com slash LWSD sign up for your free trial so you can get your free audiobook. Um if you're having trouble dealing with something uh and maybe you need some something in your tool bag to help you deal with that. Uh some things that I've I've gone through this year already that uh I really like have been the subtle art of not giving a fuck or unfuck yourself. Both those are pretty good. Uh you want something fun. Um not that I'm not saying self-help's not fun. Uh, I just finished The Outsider recently, not that long ago, by st- the latest by Stephen King, read by Will Patton. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm sure Moto would recommend the Mercedes trilogy. Uh, he, um, Dave, what are you reading right now? I'm reading uh, Room to Dream by David oh, Lynch, yeah. and he's got a co-writer whose name escapes me. And I just finished The Running Man, which is also quite good on audio. Awesome. Oh, fucking A. Also, I listened to uh, a little hidden gem of the Twin Peaks universe, The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Oh. You know, the inciting incident of that show is is the murder of this teenage girl. Um, at some point in time before the second season, like about 1990, they published a book that was credited. So instead of written by, it's, it's credited as seen by Jennifer Lynch, uh, David Lynch is like, t- uh, early, she was in her early twenties at the time, early twenties at the time. And so she wrote what would have been happening in Laura Palmer's life in that time. And in 2017, the actress who plays Laura Palmer, probably in conjunction with the Twin Peaks revival, read the audiobook for that. And it's like a tour de force wow. performance. I love, I love great read audiobooks, especially ones that are that like such a deep dig like that. Like, 
Yeah. Oh, is that awesome? So if you're into the Twin Peaks universe, that's um that's a worthwhile addition to the uh I mean it's the, it already existed in print form, but her performance of it really elevates it. So. That's awesome. And our second viewer is Broadman. Welcome back, Broadman. All right. He's like hey. a guy tries to watch the LWSD, and then three little kids can destroy that plan. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like kids. It well, and we're not kid friendly. We come on at <laughs> eight p.m. Eastern time, right? Like we would be a ten o'clock show at the best if we were on prime time at all. Uh, <laughs> which not happening. We have to behave a lot more than we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, totally get it, but. So we can finish down our spiel. That is a nice segue, Broadman. Thank you to the rest of the spiel. Because if you can't join us live, uh, you can always find these recording. The full recordings go on our, our YouTube page. Dave trims those down. That's what becomes our podcast episodes that you can uh, get via any of your normal avenues of getting podcasts. Uh, Google Play Music, the pod, the iTunes podcast app, Stitcher, uh one of our favorite methods, we know it's Moto's favorite method, it's Broadman's favorite method to interact with us, is over at our YouTube page. Regardless of how you get to Long Walk Short Drink, just do us a favor and head over to that YouTube page. Uh, click subscribe, ring the bell. That way you get notified every time we do these live recordings or post our episodes up. But it helps us get to that 100 mark so that we get our unique URL with long walk short drink do we get to pick what it is or does it does it just name it after whatever our channel is we should name it something fucking crazy like i mean it should be long walk short drink but i don't <laughs> know like it. like nipple boy like youtube.com <laughs> slash nipple boy <laughs> yeah i i think we'll get to pick i mean you used to get to pick yeah. I, I have a youtube channel just youtube.com slash david allman uh, i even have one for dreaming out loud records there was a point at which they just didn't allow it anymore but yeah. in the early days you could yeah as long as someone else hadn't taken it you could grab it yeah so uh but it'd be great if you could subscribe over on our youtube channel too so that way and on any of those things leave us a comment leave us a review um all of those little things help uh and then last but not least follow us on twitter uh where uh, usually we, we we try to uh tease out the things from these episodes that the media that we reference and and send those out via our twitter in some way, whether it's a movie trailer for a movie we talk about, we'll definitely be tweeting out the Mandy trailer for sure. Um, yeah, I'll tweet out that uh, thing, the link to Nicolas Cage performing the Telltale Heart, which oh, is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so uh, follow us on Twitter as well at LWSD Pod. Um, so yeah, but let's. Uh, we got a little bit of time left. We got about an hour left. Let's say ish. Um, what's let's. Let's hear Dave's Dave's dig for this episode. Yeah. So my my Dave's dig is more of a shout out because I don't know how to dig into it too much because it's music. Um, it's the uh, the album by Noah Gunderson called White Noise. I'm holding up the LP for YouTube viewers. It's it's a nice, handsome. Uh, well, on on vinyl, it's a double disc thing that has like a a poster. It has it has kind of old fashioned like in the in the 60s like if you get old Bob Dylan records there's stuff written on the back that is not lyrics. It's not necessarily even about the album sometimes. I mean it is but it, in a much more oblique way. Yeah. And this is kind of like that. Um like it has one two has six sections they're calling it and it's one is white noise which is the name of the album this then it's like number two and then it has chapters all, all fit on the back of an lp 
says like the anxiety gospel according to a 20 something number five crucial tips for highly authentic selfies anyway i don't know it's kind of odd and interesting it's not written by the uh musician but it somehow fits in with the uh the overall uh vibe and then it's got like this poster that on the back the poster is big it's got a snake on the back is like the liner notes and lyrics wow um, so I have a mixed, I don't know, I have a love-hate relationship with this artist in some respects, but um, I really appreciate a lot of, like, I think he shares similar sort of, perhaps he also has an internal look at self-control. He's 29, which is, is in, has been infuriating to me, our age difference for some time now. In fact, when I finished my second album, which I was able to put on vinyl, um, I kind of held up, I tried to have it remastered. I tried to, I was, it was already being mastered, which is the last f- part of the process that Moto is very familiar with and has done plenty of mastering, but like you take the mixes and then you try to, I don't know, you just try to make it sound sweet and loud. I don't know. You try to bring out all the best things about it to have it sort of st- stand shoulder to shoulder with the other stuff you might hear say on the radio and, or in your shuffle. that's maybe not the best definition of mastering but uh, (laughs) in any event it was already in that phase and then uh, I heard Noah Gunderson's family EP uh, which is stellar uh, really great I think you can I'm sure you can find it anywhere you find music this was like 2011 and I and I then asked like the mastering engineer I'd already gotten my master back I'm like is there a way (laughs) you can make it sound more like this (laughs) and uh (laughs) He's like, well, <laughs> no, not without like a, you know, kind of starting from the beginning and yeah. you incurring all that cost. So I was like, all right, thanks. I mean, he did what he could, I think, quickly. But so I wrote Noah Gunderson a letter at that time. And I was just like, you, <laughs> it's kind of one of those things like you made this great thing. You kind of fucked up my shit. It's irritating how good you are at this. Thanks. <laughs> like I sent it to him and I think I sent him the LP in the mail. I sent him a letter of that sort. And sometimes I just see him like he's one of these guys. Like I see his face. I'm just like, ugh, fuck you. <laughs> Not necessarily out of jealousy. Just like you just want to punch that face. <laughs> but, but he is a, <laughs> I sound, I was going to say I sound more bitter about it than I am, but that's probably not true. <laughs> oh my gosh. You do want to punch that guy in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Look at his, like, look at his weepy eye. His, like, his, like, he's got, he's got these kind of like bug eyes and he's, he's now like doing this like Chris Cornell look with long hair yeah. and this goatee that that's nailed it here. I just said, I just said this. <laughs> I just typed in Noah Gunderson search. and I went to images and every, oh, God. And, and can you share and, your screen? I think, I think Moto and Broadband need to see uh, this. Yeah. Like every, <laughs> that's every yeah, that kind of says it all about um, that part of here, my me, feelings me, about it. Let me pick me, but like, look at, look at this. <laughs> Every photo in this in these top two rows, he's just like, he just has that same look, like that concerned puppy look. Like, what? what? Yeah. What? It is hard not to hate him. What? <laughs> what did I do? What? 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 Look here, he's screaming it. What? Gotta follow the mouse. This is brilliant. I want to make this one of the opening clips. <laughs> what? What? Oh man! 
but he makes he does he makes this like great music and generally it's this like guy in the guitar singer songwriter vibe which he he's really excellent at and uh but this new album um white noise it actually came out last year but somehow i just became aware of it it has a much more sort of uh complex and interesting band sound it's a little bit like a combination of any of his earlier material with almost uh, like late 90s radiohead kind of but not like in the robot beep boop kind of thing yeah. of more like somewhere between the bends and okay computer um, and even his voice sometimes sounds a little bit tom yorkish uh with the effects and stuff i have a real aversion to certain type of affected singing and his can sound that way but actually he's one of those guys if you hear him talk it makes sense like he's not going to be able to sing differently than you hear what? so so it helps yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. oh man i don't even know if that's what he sounds like but that's what he sounds like to me I've, based on that yeah look. <laughs> what? I mean, that's what that's certainly what he looks like yeah. <laughs> and that's something to overcome yeah. timey was is what moto just <laughs> 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 kind of yeah. oh hi mark yeah. Oh, he's a kid from Seattle. I think he was homeschooled in a very religious family, and then at like eighteen, he left like home and uh, started to started to make a go of things at, at music. Um, his band and, and a lot of the backing musicians on his previous efforts and stuff are his family. Um, his his sister Abby, uh, and <laughs> Robert. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, that is so it's hard for new listeners that's you tough to explain but gonna get, it's a wrong bit. oh the song is progressing i like that we're we're like halfway to a full chorus at this point oh man <laughs> but I'll by we i mean you as soon as i write the cannibalized script i'll start working on my wrong bet song this will be like on the radio somewhere be an easter egg yeah oh my god wouldn't that be fun to like fill the cannibalized with a long walk short drink easter eggs? i don't know any other way to do it without having to like beg borrow and steal the rights to like any piece of media that we use unless we make yeah. all of the media i mean we've been building a library for years this will be like our castle rock yeah <laughs> yes wow I yeah, had a, now we're I, talking. I, I did have a breakthrough. I don't want to steal. No, because you're doing your thing. But That's all right. Fuck this kid. No, but <laughs> you should spiral back to uh, to cannibalize because I did have a little bit of a breakthrough uh, on, on on an idea for that. Um, but well, I'll put a pin in it only so that what I have been trying to do with the um, YouTube uh, videos, and I do put it in the SoundCloud and stuff. I don't know. I do jump to segments. Oh, okay. So if someone wants to jump to the jump to the king corner at blah 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 blah, that's good. That's That is nice if, to do that. So yeah. yeah we'll put, Otherwise, we'll, I would just have you. We'll put a pin. No, it. no, no, no. I wouldn't do that. But I, I'll, I'll bring it. I'll I'll bring it back around. Um, but yeah, I don't mind undercutting this guy a little bit because he makes me mad a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but this album, uh, I do. I mean, I like a lot of his music. Um, but this white noise album, I got. I heard this song called the the sound which i thought maybe we could um if you look at the spreadsheet i put the itunes yep it's the itunes link i thought maybe that was a good way of sampling a song without getting into it too much and he's too infuriating looking in the video that exists i don't want to show that uh, <laughs> um this was the this song was my in to this album and to being like all right 
because that's kind of what I have to do with this guy. Wait, did you like, say it was on right. iTunes? Because the only iTunes one you have in there. Oh no, the sound. Yeah, I see it right here. Yeah, right. the the sound is the. So hopefully that'll take you like open the app. So you want to do this on the long walk short drink account if you can. Yeah, so I just play it directly. I'm there. <laughs> Sweet. So <laughs> this was the song that pulled me into it. Generally, this guy has been like guitar and voice, maybe some slight other kind of uh, the Americana. I hate that expression and that idea, <laughs> but <laughs> but he's got this sort of new thing. So the sound is a good um, good uh, description. So this song led me to the album. I think we'll sample this song as maybe like the way out of it. Or the way. No, let's listen to it quick. I'll say a couple more words and we can move on. So if I just click this little play arrow next to it, it'll just play a sample of the song? I hope so. Yeah, okay. it'll probably be like 16. Yeah. Keeping nothing for yourself like a stone cold Now you're passing your people like a ship in the night Looking to every stranger for a fight Wow, and they don't do a fade out or anything. It just cuts off. No, yeah. I mean, that's just how iTunes is. It's like yeah. you can preview anything. And I, I think it's like an algorithm that chooses the portion of the song. Yeah. But that that's pretty representative of like what drew me to check out this uh, this album. And it's it's representative sort of lyrically and stuff of why I've been attracted to him in the in the past. But the 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 sound of it, the instrumentation of it, and even just like how much he's singing out and stuff is is new and it was exciting and yeah uh, so that song i love and then the song that comes after it is called uh heavy metals heavy i i pronounce that extra because it's easy to trip over but also it's funny that came up earlier yeah and uh this whole thing about the sound and music i definitely have not listened to as much music and certainly not been turned on to as much new music in a good way in in, in the last few years so I like that idea. It's like, what? But these two songs, uh, the sound and heavy metals, are so powerful for me. Like they just fill me, and I get instantly emotional. The heavy metals is my favorite, but I it's like five and a half minutes, and part of the way that it works so well is that it 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 has an interesting structure. It doesn't just build, build, but it does build to something that by the time it gets to it, I listen to it three or four times a day. And every single time, I just got hit like a gut punch and cried. 
and like oh, for me wow. that's that's really what i that it sounds bad i know we've talked about it before we were like i don't want to watch this is us and cry and all this but like yeah i heard this thing recently actually on smodcast that kevin smith was talking about uh something else he was he was blowing up this movie called um the last movie star with burt reynolds but he was talking somehow through that about a tweet that michael mckeon the actor comedian tweeted was like music doesn't make you cry it lets you cry oh i like that yeah and it's like kevin smith was talking about this other movie he's like you know he's like for people who are like feels junkies <laughs> like me he's saying like i want this i want this release and i want to have these feelings and that's a lot how i feel about art in general but particularly music i found more and more over the years that in music, I want to hear and feel my own feelings. In in movies, I want to see other people's experience. That's sort of where I'm at, where I've been at. But uh, yeah, so this Noah Gunderson, White Noise, you can find it everywhere. Um, the the song that I'm obs- more obsessed with even than that one is called Heavy Metals. And uh, I thought about reading some of the lyrics. I was looking at them and they're, they're good, but it's something about the married to the melody is, is even better. And yeah. um so I'm going to tweet out this thing and put it on our YouTube page of the videos mentioned on the show, which is a KEXP. I hope I'm getting that right. I think I am actually. It's a Seattle station. Yeah, I did. Um, they do like an in-studio performance. Uh, basically the first first four songs of the record and then one from later in the record. But it's like the first four are in order. And, um, and then a little bit of an interview where like we saw, we talked about, he's kind of infuriating looking. <laughs> and then... But here in the interview, I was actually, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, one of the things, I think he's trying. I think he's trying really hard, <laughs> like, to be as what? good a person as he can. <laughs> try harder, Noah Gunderson. <laughs> yeah, definitely still try harder. But thanks for, thanks for trying. And thanks for making this music. I really, I really, it has added something significant to my, to my life and my year. And I find that, like, I do get lost in listening to a lot of voices and audiobooks and you know, podcasts and stuff and to put on one of these things and then just be like hit with that. Like it, it's the best kind of like for me filled up. You get, it doesn't, it like breaks my heart and feels it all at once, which is my favorite thing. So white noise song, sound, the sound <laughs> and heavy metals. Uh, look it up. And I think he's on tour right now. I'm, um, I'm in the middle of a Willie Nelson album at work, but I will, uh, I'll add that to my queue to listen to it. So yeah, it's worthwhile. It, it may hit you, it may not, but it's it's hitting me pretty hard lately in the best way. So I thought I'd uh, give it a shout out. So I love the what? I'm gonna think of that forever <laughs> when I what? see his stupid face. Uh, I mean, he's got that. He's got that. There's a lot he could do to be less irritating, <laughs> and he's not that doing that. Turn puppy look. Yeah, and all in the, of- in the long hair and the stupid goatee. He's also got like sleeves. I don't know. He's, you know, I'm sure, I don't know. I was going to give him the benefit of doubt. I kind of am. Like, I think, I think he's perhaps. I'm just being like a lot of, I don't know anything. No, me too. I mean, like, I'm like, yeah, I have no, I'm just jealous (laughs) and annoyed at his talent. So I can lash out in this way. I would think that anyway, to be fair, if he didn't have any talent, I'd be like, fuck that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just petty like that for all kinds of reasons. It's <laughs> uh, so awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway. I mean, yeah, we're there's a lot of things that we we are petty about on this show. So we can yeah. add another thing. It, I mean, there's so many yeah. 
that we can add more. <laughs> I actually what? gave him a shout out a long time ago on the, and I do I do recommend that because one of my other sort of singer songwriter favorites is called Joe Pug, and Joe Pug has a podcast monthly podcast called The Working Songwriter, and Noel Gunderson has an episode on that that we gave a shout out two years ago. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by him like guys like Noah Gunderson, actors like Ethan Hawke, certain people that reminded me of myself, but who f- infuriate me. And I know they infuriate me because they remind me of myself in the ways that they infuriate me. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's why I like the big is anyway. I'm a complex guy. Not really. Let's talk about Stephen King. Yeah. Um Stephen fucking King. Boop. Uh, oh, oh! have you heard that one yet? What, what episode is that where I... It, there's an episode... Oh, no, it's 51. It's the cannibalized one. Okay. Uh, at the, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it because like, no one would necessarily otherwise know. So I give an intro to that. like on, on I sort of jump on camera and basically make it like, let's make this a king corner. But I explain what's going on. And at the end... I do the, I like, I put in the beep and I do a little bit acting. Like I pretend I hear it and then I look in, I look up into the lens and I'm like, honey, honey, come on over here, sugar buns. And, and that, that was fun enough, but I don't know what possessed me, but like it, I channeled Stephen King in that moment and I did the best. I could never do it again. Like this machine just called me an asshole. Uh-oh. Like I got the whole nasally thing perfect oh, to where yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Palmer's going to hear this and think that's where I switched over to the recording. But like, that was me. That's one of my oh, proudest moments in life. I can't wait to get to that. Oh, yeah. So awesome. 51.5. Somehow I pull it off. This machine just called me an asshole. An asshole. And then I roll in the music. Yeah. Oh shit. There that's great. Um, Sorry. that. <laughs> yeah fucking awesome oh i thought of i thought so i before we do king i was thinking I, I so when i tweeted out the just right episode i tweeted out the oh like yeah to talk about just right i tweeted out the episode about uh, uh what writers can learn about no character arcs right like writing characters with no character arcs what if and and the argument that he uses in that movie is Paddington. How like Paddington is just pure the entire time. He's positive and pure through both of the Paddington movies, and it's it's the supporting cast that changes. They have the the character arc when usually it's the other way around. Um, what I I was. So I zeroed in on, I made a statement after we had the cannibalized conversation about how like it's a representation of like mental illness and how your force, because I I pictured what would be the protagonist. I, I kept having this bit of monologue where it's like, what's the worst thing you've ever done? And then think about like, what would it take for you to do something worse than that? I love the idea of that being voiceover. You know what I mean, like <laughs> inner monologue. Yeah, and and uh, and and that's the protagonist where he just keeps he keeps doing terrible things to try to like get the cannibal away from him and, and off of him, like sacrificing people and and uh, misleading them to leave them almost uh, behind as like uh, a, 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 as a gift for the cannibal. Like maybe this, like I've left you this, so leave me alone, you know? 
um, wow. and like doing all these terrible things and, and, and where the character arc for the protagonist, instead of it being a positive arc, it's this negative arc to where at the end you almost want the cannibal to catch him because he's like, so terrible. Like you feel bad for him at first, but then you're just like, he's so terrible and just like, and really like he's the bad person and maybe the cannibals oh. not, you know, and you know, I'm, I don't want to, I'm sorry to jump in, but what suddenly seized me was there's one of the most interesting things about this is that sort of yin yang thing about these two. So maybe at the beginning, the voiceover should, if that's, it could be the cannibal, like the person that you associate with someone who, who's wrestling with doing something bad. Yeah. Like what? And then by the end, you realize the same is true or that's there like comes full circle and the voiceover is coming then from your character yeah to where i feel like if we gave that away at the beginning i don't know that could be good too well i but. thought of this no character art thing where what if we make the i mean the cannibal is the main character he has no character art he's the cannibal like we see that transformation at the very beginning and he that's just who he is. And instead of him affecting the supporting cast in a positive way, like everything he's every time he is introduced into a situation, he causes the the supporting cast arc to be ne- like to become ne- like they're going to do terrible things to avoid him. You know what I mean? Like they're going to. Yeah. I just see this like I I that I keep having that tidbit of monologue like over a black screen just like what's the most terrible thing you've ever done and imagine what would it take for you to do something worse you, oh, you know like like what's a more intriguing like yeah. beginning to a movie and that's what I mean like the first time you hear that it's the beginning of the movie and yeah. it's it's Twinkie's voice and the last time you hear it yeah. It's maybe I don't know if it's the end of the movie, but it'd be great to have it come back around. This actually is sort of uh, segues nicely or, or relates to uh, Castle Rock, at least in my estimation. Oh sure. So um, all right. So let's let's do. But that but that's the main yeah. tidbit that you wanted. That's a yeah, great one. Like, <laughs> like the that there is no character arc for the cannibal. Like he's just that's just what he is, and like. How he if like how the rest of the the cast of the movie changes in response to his one single mindedness. I just see consumption, consumption and destruction. That's what the cannibal does. Like I destroy this so I can consume it. And were you saying too that basically when you were saying protagonist, were you talking about uh, your character? Yeah, just in that, and and I just because I don't know any other thing to call that character like the adversary of the of the can the cannibalized you know um that person that's just that sacrifices everything for self-preservation yeah know? that's so fascinating i mean we talk about it in, a lot in that other uh, movie but it reminds me too when when you talk about mandy like there's certain things about these genre pieces and revenge or whatever that they're endlessly fascinating because they pro- provoke such profound like core shaking (laughs) um choices and dilemmas and yeah so the and the the way that you're attacking that is so interesting uh 
anyway, yeah, that's a great tip. And the that fucking that's like the tagline, even you know. Yeah. <laughs> what would it take for, to get you to do something worse? Like, what's the what was it? What was the worst thing? What's you've the ever worst done? thing you've ever done? And what would it take for you to do something worse? Like. Who wouldn't go see that? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, but I've been, I've, been, I've been. twenty eighteen. <laughs> no, that's okay. I've been watching like videos on like how to write treatments and how to kind of. I'm really trying to like dissect this idea of, uh, um, just trying to break down how to start this story and how to like what what do I want to happen? You know, like he's being chased. And he does bad things. Like, I know that. Like, and they both do bad things. But what are those things? And how do they get in those situations? And then what does it look like in the first days of an apocalypse? Like, what would that look like? Because you don't just get to Fury Road, right? Like, it took... And and that's why the Mad Max trilogy is is just... Or, or quadrilogy, I guess, is such a great one to look at. Because, you know, the first Mad Max movie that essentially is the first days of the apocalypse, right? Like they don't know they're in a po- in an apocalypse. Like they just know crime's pretty crazy, but there's still like a semblance of society that exists, you know, like, I, I mean, one of the yeah. big things that one of the big pieces of, of conflict in that movie is like the lawyer gets all the gang off on a technicality, right? Like they, right. So yeah. They like go to court yeah. still, you know? And, uh, well, I think a big part of that too is like they are in some kind of post-apocalyptic world, but we're being keyed into Max's story. And for right. Max, this is like this is the beginning of like where he goes from being just a, a cop in that society to being. But it's yeah, he reaches that he reached that limit and then some and fucking snapped and then yeah, <laughs> and, and then by warrior. the time you get to Road Warrior, like that's any idea of that society that we could relate to, we can relate to cops. We can relate to court. That's right. We yeah. can relate to criminals and in the in the in good versus evil. By the time you get to Road Warrior, that's all gone. Like they're yeah. these people any, are just trying. Any fuel they're going to find is going to be like pill, like sucked out of the gas tank of an existing yep. vehicle or something. And then you get to th- beyond the Thunderdome, and that you start to see how society is like starting to rebuild in this new image of this like post-apocalyptic society there you know in in road warrior they were holding on to the last vestiges of that society through their vehicles through the fuel through like good like good and evil was still kind of like good and bad was still kind of a clear line beyond thunderdome it was it's this new society this society that has risen from the ashes of that old society and then you're seeing in Fury Road, how that new society is is established. Like this is this is what happens now. This is what there is for society now. There is law again. It, it's not law that we can relate to, but there's there are laws and leaders and powerful people and struggling people. Again, it's like a new version of that society they started with. In the first Mad Max, um, 
how they're so different, but they're still similar. Like they're still, but they're on the other end of that spectrum where they're trying to creep out of that beyond the Thunderdome world into this established society where Morton Joe and his other people can like remain in power and control the masses. And yeah, it it feels a little bit like now that you break it down like that, it feels like Thunder. Sorry, Fury Road. <laughs> Thunder Road. Thunder Road. Uh, that's a that's a uh, Bruce Springsteen song. Yeah, and a B movie before that actually. And the name of the spaceship and explorers, <laughs> like all three of those things. <gasps> oh man, just this Castle Rock comes from uh, Lord of the Flies. I learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like the the st- social structure part, and even like the chase without without the like what they're what they're trying to run to, is as though. They were ignoring. It, it kind of feels the same role. Like you could kind of go from road, road, excuse me, road warrior to Fury Road. Sure, <laughs> it's like the the thing, the whole Barter Town thing, and uh, is it anti. It's not anti Anne. What's Tina Tina Turner's character's character? Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's like they the, the most successful part of that movie in a lot of ways is that section, and it seems like they just transpose that into Fury Road in a more effective way. But but not if but if you think about it though, Barter Town is like a primordial version of a Morton Joe's society, right? So like it it's it's like a cross between a Morton Joe's world and the world of the Thunderdome, where it's just chaos. Like Thunderdome, they're still in the or Road Warrior, they're still in the ashes of society. And trying to rebuild something, you know, and it even ends on that. Like they have the fuel and they're heading off and they're like, and now we have the, we have the means that we can, maybe we can start something, you know, and you get to see what that is. It's not necessarily that group of people, but that starts to happen in Thunderdome. It's this primordial version of a society like who Who runs runs Barter Town? Town. Master Blast. Master Blast. (laughs) yeah put an echo on my voice on that like yeah (laughs) uh no but but then in in morton joe it's like it is a much more evolved society versus barter town right that's true yeah what i'm starting to really some of what's special too about your cannibalize idea what you said earlier was awesome as well and it's the it's the small story, like within that larger backdrop, you know, your, your thing is not about the larger context of how the world is crumbling. That's like the MacGuffin to allow, like, that's the thing to like, let this one guy do his thing. Yep. <laughs> and so it, it, it's not even, it's like this apocalyptic story that has nothing to do with like any of the trappings of those kinds of movies really if anything that's like as the cannibal is like marching down the street like the terminator maybe the world is falling around him but he's not even paying attention i see that and i see that it's just this backdrop it's like i just see like looting happening while he's just like got his crowbar in his mullet and like in his (laughs) jeans and no shirt and like like he there's looting happening and there's and I see, like, I want to see, like, I have this vision of, like, coming to this compound, this, like, group of people where it's, like, the seeds of something like Barter Town or, or Morton Joe's Society or something where, like, 
you could see if this group of people were left to their own devices, like they would become something really twisted. And they but but they're not yet because they're only like on week one of the apocalypse, you know. So, uh, yeah. And, and so I have all these these early visions for these things. It's just trying to process them into something tangible, you know. Um, oh. Uh, yeah, that's right. I, I remembered I wanted to tell you this. And uh, I don't have all the best words, of course, but one of the people I've heard talk about ad- adapting. So it, in a way, it's like you're trying to adapt something because it's this thing in your head <laughs> yeah. that exists already. And so you're trying to translate it in some way. Um, oh, um, his name is escaping me. Shit. He wrote taxi. Paul Schrader. Uh has, has said these cool things about adapting that I appreciate. And um, he was talking about, there's only like so many things that can happen in like a traditional feature like the movie. He, he actually gave a number to it in some documentary I saw. And he said, um, so what it's so like what I did, I wonder what this was. I feel like maybe he's talking about his adaptation of last temptation of Christ, which is a huge novel that I have, but have not read. Um, and uh, he's like, I put all these things on index cards, like things that happen. And then I figure out a way to somehow put it all together based on those index cards. And what what's kind of that that's an interesting, fun, like film school thing to say. The other place I've heard it is in the two and a half hour documentary from Shout Factory on the making of Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, forgetting the person that talks about it, but it's kind of a similar thing is like we had, and that movie was just like pitched of like a bunch of movies and just like, all right, okay, go with that. So the people that pitch it are like, okay, teen, teen, okay. Teen Wolf. And they're like, they come up, they have a bunch of index cards of scenes and, or like, I guess this should happen at some point. And then they just kind of work it around, work it around that. So, and, and, and in my, uh, day job making videos for people who know they want videos, but they don't always know, what that might involve or look like. I do. I can tell with most of them that they get to the point where they're going to make it with me. I'm just like, what, what are, what are you picturing? Like, are there other videos that unfold in the way that you want to see? Or just like, like literally, like, what do you want? What do you picture in your mind's eye? And then I start from there. So I think a combination of you thinking about those or just like, like, I know I want to see this. So even just thinking about, we want to see the cannibal walking down the street that we're you know those kinds of things yeah like starting those concrete possibly index cards maybe a digital form uh then figuring it out from there um i think might be that's if i had to try and do this to try to get what was in my head out that's where i would start and i have done that i've done that a lot with documentaries actually it's very that's uh, you know what that's a great that's a great idea i should uh i uh, that's a great place to start i could um in in i know i keep coming back to mad max i wish twinkie was here for all that mad max discussion i'm always i feel like he is anytime it comes up yeah um but there's another episode of just right that's called what writers could learn from fury road and uh he talks about how fury road was this amazing movie that has groundbreaking action sequences in it but didn't really have a script in the traditional sense that movies have scripts when they're made. And he talks about how action is really difficult for 
uh, writers, especially new writers, to try to get on a page. Like, how do you? And he does this. I, and this is why I like that guy's essay so much because he uses examples from real movies and real scripts. Like, this is an action sequence, and this is what it looked like in a script. And it took the director and the actors and the editors and to figure out these like seven words to translate it to this really awesome, memorable action sequence. But the way Fury Road did it was with storyboards, basically, and how um, to the point that Frank Miller brought on a storyboard artist to really dissect and make this movie essentially like they had almost like, you know, that scene in the, in the documentary for Phantom Menace where they bring in like the wall sized of storyboards and George Lucas has like five different highlighters and he's like, and this is, and he's highlighting frames like, okay, this it's this. And this is this one. And and like each highlighter color had a different represent. And as bad a movie as that is, the documentary for that movie is fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> uh, but that's almost what like Frank Miller did to the point that it... Sorry, George. I know you're... It makes oh, sense, George, especially when you're talking about oh, like yeah, drawings and Miller stuff. The, the <laughs> I just don't want the internet to get after you. Graphic artist. <laughs> Jesus. That's oh, all right. I mean, shit. George, Frank. Yeah. Anyways, that storyboard artist got a writing credit like he's he's a co-writer really yeah oh that's so cool a co-writer for fury road and he makes sense and he didn't he drew the storyboards you know (laughs) like like that's and and so the argument that um the guy from just right makes is like is maybe hollywood maybe there would be more great new writers of film if Hollywood could accept these alternative ways of scripting. Um, and again, I'm uh, paraphrasing, yeah. but it's just like, you know, maybe it, maybe a writer, maybe somebody can't just get the words on the page the way they fit into that. I mean, you know, there's a very structured format that, I, I remember Larry always yeah, saying. It breaks down like, to dollars and cents even, like a, you know, yeah. a minute a page. Yeah, and and like you know, studio. Some people won't even look at your script if it's not formatted the right way. Like if they open the the title page and it's see that it's not in the right format, like they'll just throw it away. They don't even read it. And uh, but this guy makes the case like we could really open up maybe to a lot more talent just because they don't know that structure. If they were if these alternative methods were acceptable, you know, um, maybe somebody's a great visual person if they could just turn in a script with storyboards like maybe we would get a lot more great things like fury road uh which i i I love that idea so that is very interesting and that might be a more fun way even for you to approach yeah and then in the index card approach or whatever Um, wow i thought every time i hear more about this it's it's more and more exciting (laughs) i thought i thought of a short story like maybe writing a short starting with a short story like maybe if i can get this like in as a short story first and then adapt. Then uh, see, and that ties to that adaptation thing, like with the note cards, where it's like, maybe yeah. I write a short story to get the beats, you know. And that's right, yeah. And, and just to get it out of your head. I mean, yeah. if you think about something like, um, I, I mentioned it on the last show, but we didn't get into it too much. And I'm guessing you haven't seen it yet. But the sorry to bother you. 
like that came from that Boots Briley uh oh, yeah. guy. Um and he he did he wrote that. It was it that was that manifested in many forms over over a period of years before it arrived at the uh, theatrical film that was released. It was an album. It was a published screenplay that was different. It, like it was wow. all these things, and um, that's a uh, yeah. I, I think you know you and I are both from a we've adapted to a digital age, but we're not necessarily like digital natives. And and, right. and, and the way that stories are told now is, is changing a lot. And um, yeah. So I think any way that you can kind of manifest this thing, it's not like it's spent on that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just another way that you can help develop it. Sure. George Miller had to make um, <laughs> beyond Thunderdome to get to, to the, you know, which, which is, whatever but to get to the majesty of fury road which in some ways is very similar yeah everybody gives beyond thunderdome so much shit i love that movie. <laughs> i thought you were gonna say everybody gets beyond thunderdome oh. eventually <laughs> no i mean there's yeah i love that song <laughs> I, I i mean there's a lot of i i just there's a lot of st- again hbo always gets like the cheapest ones and then they blow it like they just replay it and replay like there's a lot of, for every like episode of Westworld and and Game of Thrones there's like eight B movies that get played four times a day right like, yeah you know, yeah uh and those are the ones that somehow stick to certain people like yeah. I don't know if that's a, a an age beyond, thing. well and beyond the Thunderdome is one of those uh I never got into breaking two electric boogaloo but I like that played <laughs> all the time so uh but that's that's the of the at the time mad max trilogy that's the one that i had the most exposure to and so that's the one that has like the soft spot for my heart remember yeah remember the oh the, fuck it the I'll do the ago, like the the away <laughs> away their whole like, like that kids whole those that tribe of kids like whole language and that like yeah. mask that they have him wear that like takes up his whole upper torso when they put him on the horse it's like a weird Oh man, Captain Walker. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I do have fond memories of that one. For for me, somehow the first one occupied that space more, just because I think it was the first one I saw. Yeah, and it's fucking creepy. <laughs> like, it is so. So it 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 haunted me more than I was like fond of it. But I, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I I shouldn't rip on on that. Well, I think the trouble I have with it is the only one that the bride has seen, and I'm just like you. It's like. You know, it's similar to the Rocky series where she's, I don't know if it's the only one she's seen, maybe, but she's also fond of it as Rocky Four. And oh, wow. I fucking love Rocky Four. Like, Rocky Four is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, in so many ways, but it's not the same. It, it's a little bit like your Nick Cage kind of later Nick, career Nick Cage prior. Or, or, I don't know. Ro- the, Rocky, Rocky. Rocky one <laughs> is, is like, yeah, it's your Oscar bait and all this stuff. It's, sure. it, it, it broke this new ground and it is this certain type of movie. And to her, Rocky is Rocky four and she dismisses the rest of it. I'm just like, Hey man, <laughs> Rocky one is important. And, uh, and I feel the same way about like the previous Mad Max movies. And of course now with everything that the Mel Gibson is, as has done, I don't think she will ever see or value those. And so, so even though I probably like <laughs> Beyond Thunderdome, I'm just like, oh, I wish my wife thought better of those other movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it suffers somehow. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I wish yeah. you could get convinced her just to see Road War. I mean, if all of them, 
you should see Road Warrior, right? Like, I think that's like the well. See, for me, it's the first one, but but I understand that. That's uh, the vast majority of people would say. Yeah, well, and I think that's just because it's like it truly embraces that post-apocalyptic genre. Again, because the first one is like everybody is clinging to, except for the band of criminals, the motorcycle gang. Yeah. Everybody's trying to save this society. Like they're clinging to, they're grasping at all of these institutions that have existed. And, and then except for Max Ratinsky at the very end, in the last like 20 minutes of the movie where he's just finally, he's broken, he's given up. And that like, he represents society. Like, we're not coming back from this. Like that's yeah. where that's where you realize, like, okay, we're not coming back. The world, this is the world now, and it's just gonna and it's going to get worse. Just like his, you know, the action gets worse up to that point. Like you thought twisted things had happened, but that la- that like last thing with like night rider oh like yeah (laughs) and like oh it's so creepy yeah and and like gonna bronze gonna get you oh fuck it's all like stuck in my head still hey but but max becomes scarier than the toe cutter and his gang in that moment and that's fucked up yeah (laughs) that's exactly it And, and that's when you like you know like oh it's gonna get worse we're seeing the very beginning like i like as i always say you know when i talk about the cannibalize i'm like no no movies done done the like the first days of the apocalypse the, i the, i now want to take that back and say mad max did like that is you're looking at the last days of that society like of that yeah. world and or like and, dawn of the dead both on the, but especially the maybe 2004 where you see people like in their homes and stuff sure. to see those yeah, first yeah. moments and stuff um, fear the walking dead recently on television i guess that one is, that's what that whole series centers on right is are the, yeah. are those days between rick getting knocked out and rick waking up that's what that yeah, sort of. Except for the yeah, that series has gone through some uh, some things to where now it's caught up to the timeline of the other one. Anyway, but oh. but I think one of the most interesting things, as I was mentioning about what you're dreaming up, is that how that is a backdrop that allows for this other story psychodrama right. to play out. Yeah, and an action movie really. Oh. You should start training too. Oh. <laughs> I, I have to. I got it. Like, well, I'm like, I, I need to get down to movie fat. Which is like two twenty. As I burp, <laughs> that fucking terrible. I'm drinking Coke Zero. Which this, for some reason, this makes me burp like crazy, worse than beer does. Uh, a lot of carbonation, right? Yeah, it's like really fizzy for a soda. It's soup. Like for some reason, Coke Zero, I think, is like one of the fizziest sodas ever. Uh, Do you remember that Star? You see that Star Wars thing on Saturday Night Live where it was George Lucas asking? Uh, I think it's like Bobby Moynihan. He's like. Uh, not like a Coke Zero, <laughs> and they don't have Coke Zero, and then they cut around to various other people, yeah. and he's like, "I find your lack of Coke Zero disturbing." <laughs> it's so great. All right. Anyways, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna keep trying to crack this nut of that is the cannibalized, uh, to get something tangible down, so that way it can grow from there. 
but no oh no but i need to get down to movie fat i need to get down to like you know how like people are like oh he's the fat character and you're like no he's not the fat that that guy's not fat like what are you talking about so that's what i need to get down to uh so i can i can be this this the cannibalized that like <laughs> does terrible things to survive you know like think yeah. of the first the first like 20 minutes of 28 weeks later have you seen the sequel to 28 oh i did later? i don't remember it as well but i have seen it yeah but it's, that it's like better movie. than you think it should be <laughs> yeah um all right so it's 11 now <laughs> yeah i know we didn't even get to Stephen. we didn't even king. get to Stephen king <laughs> uh uh well, so i had a lot going on you had the, the whenever you talk about the cannibalize i'm mesmerized and those those few new lines are i speak volumes yeah um so well i mean we can i did get a little bit of a nap before this episode so if you wanted to take a pee break do you have to pee of course I'm yeah you do <laughs> uh or we could end it <laughs> save uh save L castle rock for the next time maybe uh uh i don't know maybe we could do a, a uh, double shot and just do a king corner but every time we try that it ends up becoming something else too uh or we could just piss and come back and and just talk for until midnight let's let's do this let's it's like 10 after let's yeah. i'm gonna set a timer for a half an hour or i'm gonna set a timer for 20 minutes when the timer goes off in 20 minutes for like oof, this is too good then we'll 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 like put a pin in and maybe even like talk next week or something like that. Uh, oh, okay, we can do that. You want to put it before we do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, because um, then we'll see. Yeah, because yeah, we don't want to like torture ourselves. And then it's like, well, we don't yeah. really have that much to say about it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's okay. piss and then we'll come back and we'll set your timer and then we'll see where yeah. we're at after twenty minutes. How's that? Yeah, either it'll be like a cliffhanger or it'll be like. That's Castle Rock, folks. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. Well, let's do 30 minutes. Let's do a half okay. hour. Yeah. I'm up for that. Yeah, All right. of course. All right. Moto, don't fucking go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. some ginger peach nice i'm uh i am out of beverages i've consumed oh all i i had six beverages they're all gone 
All I have left is 16 ounces of water in Ooh. my water bottle. These fucking water. weird things like are how much water? Zero calorie, 12, oh, 12 fluid ounces. Ginger peach sparkling water from Target. Oh, nice. If I have a problem <laughs> with, a, with a substance, it's probably this one, right? <laughs> these days, it's zero everything, but Lord knows. You, you ever hear about these like sparkling water things like that? They're like beaver Croy. paints. <laughs> yeah, LaCroix and stuff. They're beaver taints. <laughs> like, here's what it says. They say just, so it's zero everything. Ingredients, carbonated water, natural flavor. But what I'm hearing and what I've heard, heard over the last few years is that natural flavor can mean a lot of things. So maybe it's literally beaver taints. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like that's just an word. example that they're giving. They're not I actually think it was sort back. of specific at some point, I heard, but like there's no way to know. It's like the Netflix you know, algorithm. Like, nobody knows you... how many people have seen your show on Netflix. Yeah. They keep it a secret, but... Man, I hope there's nothing really bad in it because I have a lot of these things. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, speaking of taints, I'm back on the black <laughs> coffee kick. Oh, but that's not why. Um, I'm I'm trying intermittent fasting, or let me be more clear. At this point, <laughs> what I'm actually doing is time restricted eating. Okay. Um. But a lot there's a lot of mixed. Uh, you know, I, I want to ultimately get to um, fasting. Uh, uh, I would really like to, while I am losing weight, I would like to get to where I can go multiple days of not consuming so that I'm consuming my body fat. And then, uh, it, and there's a lot of, it, in the limited research that I've done, it can be very beneficial. It's good for inflammation. It's good for uh, a lot of things. There's also a lot of negative stuff that comes along with it because, you know, it, you couldn't very easily slip into an eating disorder. Um, that's my take on it because some at some point it's like, well, when is it? when does it become anorexia and not fasting, you know, cause you're not eating. Oh yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, there's a documented case though of a, a man, he weighed like 460 pounds who, who consumed nothing but a multivitamin, black coffee, black tea and water for over a year. That's all oh he ate. God. That's all he consumed and went from, oh. He he cut himself in half basically. Like he, <laughs> in in that year he lost that much weight. He was unrecognizable as before. And this was a while ago. He was in Ireland and, uh, and and there are like you find out like in the last like month of that he was basically in in a hospital bed and like, uh, they were hydrating him intravenously and like he was having a lot of issues at the at the very end. But up to that point, he was like, and it, and it was because he ran out of body fat to consume, basically. Like he wasn't going to get any smaller than what he got without actually doing damage to his body. But up to that point, he had maintained a state of ketosis and was consuming. He was burning his body fat. Um, and that's one of the things that like you can really again, in the limited research that I've done that you can really harness uh, by doing this intermittent fasting where you just 
the the simplest one that I've heard is like you just don't eat and you will be hungry initially for like the first three days and then after that you're just not hungry and you don't eat again until you actually feel hunger pangs like you're at there there will be a point at some point in the future that you your body will say i'm hungry and that's when you eat again and then you and then you'll you'll probably make the mistake of overeating and you'll do too much and you'll regret it and you won't do that again the next time but then you like you have to have the willpower to like okay now i'm going to fast again and it helps re, it helps simulate that like at some point in our history as humans we went where we did not have access to food 24 hours a day like we do now you know like we you, you it was quite possible that you might go 3 days without having food and then you would find an abundant feast or famine literal feast or famine and uh it's trying to simulate that in a way Ash read up a little bit on it. And one of the articles she read used the analogy of like, imagine just keep putting leftovers in your refrigerator and never eating any of them. That's what you're essentially doing to your body is where if you have stored body fat, that's leftovers that your body's saving. But if you just keep eating, you're going to never burn that. And so that's why you keep packing it on. So you need to give your body a chance to use that stored energy. And you do that through through fasting. So that that's ultimately where I want to get. I don't know. Hmm. But that's why I'm back on the that's black not, coffee deal. That, that's, yeah, that sounds intense. Because I'm trying. Um, it, it, no, go ahead. Sorry. But it's, it's intense. It is intense. It sounds very off-putting because it's like you just don't eat. Just don't eat for three days or four days or seven days, you know, and uh, you can't do a human can't do seven, right? <laughs> this guy did it for a year. He didn't eat anything but but black coffee and black tea and water for a year, over a year. He did not put food in his body. Was he in like a concentration camp? <laughs> no, like he did. Like, <laughs> there's people. Well, there's there's people that do 30 day fasts. That mm -hmm. that's what I'd like to get up to. Is like to do. Whoa, wow. A 30 days of no of only consuming. It, it, some people are are such sticklers. They do. It's literally a water fast for 30 days. Like they'll only consume water for 30 days. I mean, somebody, oh, I, I literally thought you couldn't do that and live. You <laughs> I guess I must be wrong. You do that. You like, you don't have the, you don't have the energy reserves, the fat reserves to do that. Like, but that, like, that's all my belly is, is just like, mm. it's a bunch of stored energy that my body is waiting for the chance to use, like the need to use it. And so I, I, I mean, if I got, if, if let, let's, and there's a lot of ifs on this, but like, if I got down to, let's say a healthy body weight, I couldn't continue. That's where it would switch over to being anorexia because then I don't have the reserves anymore for my body to use that, that, that f to sustain myself through that time period. But like, hmm. I, I, I have easily, I have 30 days of body fat that if I'm staying hydrated during that time. I could I could make it I you you could make it 30 days without consuming any food. Sure. Wow. Wow. 
Well, I hate to always bring things back to Kevin Smith in the podcast, but he's lost a, uh, an enormous amount of weight in the last like couple of years. Uh, he almost died, and so that that th- from a heart attack, and then that precipitated even more um, weight loss to where he looks like a different human being. And he does. Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know, but <laughs> but hopefully it's good for him. Um, but he um, the method. The methodology he's been taking, I guess, has a lot to do with. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if it's a if it's a particular diet or something. But anyway, he talked to the. I think I want to. I hopefully it's not reductive or whatever. Said the comedian Pendulette. Oh yeah. He he had on a Smodcast because I think he wrote a book and and Kevin Smith was a fan. Uh, of him in general, but I, anyway, so they have this discussion. lost a ton of weight too. Like he used to be a yeah. really big guy and he's like super tall and he was really fat. And so it was like, he was big all around and now he's just like yeah. super tall and skinny. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that Kevin Smith adopted some of that, but I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts that he does and he talks about it often. And, um, so yeah, if you were vegan too, didn't he like, didn't, that's a uh, that's a big part of it, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it's a very restrictive thing. And there was a weird thing where he's like eating only potatoes for a while, and part of the <laughs> reasoning behind that is so that you never want to eat potatoes again. I don't, some weird stuff, wow. but I think perhaps if um, you know if you're just if you're frustrated with one method and and you're trying to because it sounds like to some extent because Kevin Smith would. I've 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 listened to him talk about this in so many ways over the years, and he would often do. He, yeah, he's like he does these tremendously like restrictive things at, at, at times, and he'd be great with like these shakes and stuff. And uh, but anyway, so and 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 for me, like I I have a much sort of smaller body mass in general, but like I, there is a a relative thing to where you know that personally whatever you're doing is like this is probably not good for me and the yeah. change that i've seen in my body is thus and so i've i detailed earlier a lot of ways in which i'm not feeling sort of internally as great as i have at other times but physically i'm feeling much better than i have in a long time and yeah i've cut back on alcohol i guess but um and, and i'm sure that is very significant actually <laughs> through for for like weight gain and stuff but um, I'm not doing anything too dramatic. Like I would try these things that were kind of dramatic for me and see no results. And I'd be like, what the fuck? And back in my mind, I'm like, eh, maybe if I drank less, it would make more of a difference. And I think I have to imagine because that's the, there are two things for me that like led me to go get my ring resized, I think ultimately, but only after like one or two years. One is, is uh, I hate to say it because I, I resisted for a long, but the Fitbit thing, yeah, Fitbit really like I I meet those prescribed goals. I didn't set my own, uh, five to seven days a week. Um, but I meet them through like walking, yeah, <laughs> for the most part. Like I walk quickly, but it's okay. But the thing about that is like it it that that works for me. Otherwise, like I like that. Yeah. So I think that's why I mentioned the the Kevin Smith thing or whatever is because um, because maybe the fasting thing is actually sort of the magic bullet for you. But whatever it is for me, like to have seen personally the most significant results in years, it's it's some combination of things that 
I could maintain. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and that's the, of course, just fasting wouldn't be the part of it. Like I need to also burn calories, right? Um, I'm not, you know, if I didn't take any calories in, but then I'm still sitting on my ass and watching YouTube all evening while after I sat in a cube all day long, I'm not burning any calories. So then it's just a wash. I'm not going to lose any weight that way either. Um, the fasting deal, it just sounds like it's like I'm fucking lazy. And that's like it doesn't get any easier than just don't fucking eat. You don't have to <laughs> yeah. count calories. Yeah. You don't have to like put what you're eating inside a, an app. You don't have yeah. to like piss yeah. on a strip to see if you're in ketosis. Uh, you Is don't... that a thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh my uh, god! Uh, I I don't know if you've heard of keto. Have you heard of the keto? I've diet? definitely heard of keto. Like okay. I, one of the podcasts I love most is the uh, fighter, fighter and the kid, which I know uh, Logan likes and maybe pumps. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So one of the, one of the the one of the pair of that. It was a he he so, coined this term like the keto kid, and so that they talk about it all the time. So keto is ketosis, right? And yep. that, and that's yeah. where your body is is essentially running off of fat energy instead of um, carbohydrate energy, right? Which yeah. fat is just, yeah, is, is high energy, right? And and then, you're, so you switch your body over to burning fat instead of carbohydrates, and then the trick is you still have to be at a, see, this is where people screw up ketosis, like keto is because they're like, I can eat butter and protein and, high fat foods and all this stuff, but you still have to be at a caloric deficit. That's never going to change, right? Then where, yeah, you can eat all this high fat shit, but you still have to be at a caloric deficit. You can't eat 4,000 calories of butter and, ex hmm. and, and expect to lose weight. Like you have to burn at least 4,001 calories then at that point, if you're going to lose anything. And so, um, but so in ketosis is this very, it's a very precarious physiological state for your body to be in. And the only way that you can truly tell that you're in ketosis is with a blood test or they make like, you know, like pool testing strips. They make those that you piss on, and it will because and it tests for ketones basically, which are a sign of ketosis, and and uh, so hardcore keto people will use those strips to make sure that they're in ketosis still because it because and this is why you know Keith Ash really wanted to be like do keto right, and I'm like this is never gonna work. We don't we're not regimented enough to do this i'm just telling you right now like it's because it's like a science experiment like you it is a very narrow band of consumption and exercise and uh, that you have to keep your body in and then that that band is different for everybody so like the if the diet that ash was eating that's keeping her in ketosis isn't necessarily the same diet that's going to work for me that keeps me in ketosis the way that you tell is you use those fucking strips. And I'm just like, hmm. I, I'm like, there, that's not going to work. And so I'm, I, I keep searching and, and then it gets down to this intermittent fasting and time restricted eating. And it's like, nothing is easier than just don't fucking eat. 
You, I, I, <laughs> I, I know that for a lot of people, they're like, no, that sounds fucking hard. But when you look at all of the other shit, the all of the other diets and all that other stuff, it's just like, no, just don't put shit in your mouth. Just you just don't get to eat. You can have all the water, all the black coffee, all the black tea that you want. Take a multivitamin to make sure you're keeping up on your nutrients. But other than that, you just don't put shit in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I have experienced that actually. And for a long time, that was my, my go-to of like, this is how I can lose weight. Because, uh, when I was working, um, 2004, five and early six, maybe, I was working at a factory, plastics factory, where I would work 12-hour shifts. And at a certain point, kind of out of laziness, I I was, I was like bringing like ramen noodles, you know, the, the instant things and yeah. stuff. And I just stopped <laughs> yeah. bringing stuff. And uh, and then I, I think I would do that. And then we'd get home and I would ride this like Power Rider thing and watch Inside the Actor Studio <laughs> at my parents' house where I was living when I was like newly divorced. And... Uh, I lost a lot of weight, like a, a, a really significant kind of alarming in some ways, a lot, a lot of weight, but it, it didn't feel so much like a chore. I actually, it worked well with the laziness. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I did work out when I got home and I think there was, it was nice to sort of see results and stuff, but, um, the easiest part of it was that I was in this place for 12 hours. So if I didn't bring something to eat, <laughs> for lunch like this ramen noodles or something in that 12-hour shift it was a 12-hour shift like that like i wasn't gonna eat anything yeah nothing (laughs) and i did i lost a lot of weight and there were times then and after that where i tried uh sort of similar approaches um in the eight-hour shifts and stuff that i would work and and then with my commute and all this but i was just it was so frustrating because i was like i don't it's like I'm okay. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm not seeing any difference. I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's because it's I'm in my mid 30s instead of my mid 20s, and so for me, it like I this thing that worked for me before didn't work again. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. And then I was just like, well, I don't know what the fuck to do. And then eventually, like, thankfully, somehow or other, like, without some kind of fad approach, um, I've reached some sort of thing. Like, I I have to imagine it's the more restrictive approach to alcohol but it's probably i'm sure it's like everything but it's also not something that i will just change tomorrow it's like a kind of thing that like okay it it, it doesn't feel i don't feel deprived like i feel good like if like today i was hoping to do karate in the garage and even though that's really hard actually i repaired that fucking thing that i broke uh i repaired the strike bag that i broke nice by with super glue and i blew it up all the way i'm like oh i think i can use this again Anyway, it's it's all like I finally found some kind of combination of things after like quite a few years that are not like a super drag and that are having some kind of effect. And that's why I say like I don't weigh myself because like I don't want to be discouraged I by just, that. Or, or just like I want, I do want to, like I want to feel good. I want to weigh less, blah, blah, blah. But like I... It can't be for me. Like it can't be. I can't feel like I'm. I'm not. I'm not a monk. I'm. Not, it's not an ascetic thing for me. Like I need to find a way. Like a day that I want to repeat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, over and over. Yeah. Anyway, I, I guess I mention all that because I do that. That sort of restrictive thing does resonate with me because it has 
it has worked for me at yeah. one point in time. And then what's weird is like, it didn't work later. Yeah. So, uh, I guess it's, it's my way of saying like, if you can find something that actually does work for you, not only, um, through some sort of measurable results, but in the, in the way that you sort of, Oh shit. Yeah. I, I don't think we're going to talk about castle rock, but that's my big super beef with the castle rock creators. Sort of, kind of. Don't say it. Nobody say it ever. <laughs> what? Say it. Say it. Say it. Sort of, kind of. Like that. That's one of the creators always says it. Sort of, kind of. Nothing is sort of kind. Very few oh, things are sort of, yeah. kind of. <laughs> On the podcast, you're talking makes about. me crazy. All right. <laughs> but, so nice segue. Anyway. So, boop. Um, yeah. Let, oh, are we gonna do it? Yeah. <laughs> gonna try. <laughs> hey Siri, set a timer for thirty minutes. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't set the timer. <laughs> I got it. Minutes and counting. All right. Oh, so your series sounds hotter than mine. Series, yeah. Mine, mine she calls me boss me, but... too. What? Yeah. Oh, I should try that. Hey Siri, what do you call me? Your but since we're friends, I get to call you boss. <laughs> I'm gonna try that actually. Hold on. Hey Siri, what do you call me? She's thinking. Your user, but you asked me to call you James Pizza. <laughs> James Pizza. <laughs> I, my nephew, one of my nephews, did that. That's my favorite. I don't know why you call me James Pizza. I'm like, I'm totally James Pizza. <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh man. All right. Uh, so let's let's talk some King. So, well, first off, Running Man is where we left you in your chronology. So you have not moved on, right, from there? No, but I did. I looked into uh, the the discs that you had burned, The Bride 2010-ish, and uh, I loaded it onto my computer, and it is the George Guidel, um Reading of the Gunslinger? Yes. So I load, I actually, that's even on my phone right now. Um, so I haven't started, but it's there. You know, I, I thought of this all... I also thought of this alternative. You really might get more out of it if you waited until like you were through the nineties of his other work and then just binged all of the dark tower books together. Oh, like get through some of that other. Cause I am excited. Like basically after that, I go to the book you got me and that's like Shawshank and stand by me and all this stuff. Yep. And then pet cemetery. So you're saying maybe I do that Hold stuff. Off on Dark Tower completely. I because the, the majority of Stephen, not the majority. There's a lot of Stephen King fans that don't even touch the Dark Tower series, right? Um. So maybe you might get more from it, like the, especially in the later books, where you just get the nods, like you're just like, oh man, like I remember in this book they talked about this. Or, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's from this book that's in the Dark Tower, you know. Uh, I I think if you can, if you go up until like 96, maybe, and then just binge all of them, just get them all out of the way. That makes, that makes some sense to me. Like, because I think for him too, as a creative person, he was, he, I, maybe it wasn't until a certain amount of the way into it that he realized what a big deal it was. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then that way, because I can't imagine trying to listen to them in the chronology because you'll just always want to go back and listen to the ones before. So like what you're about to listen to is makes sense. Mm. So I could see that being really repetitive. Yeah, I, I think I think wait until you get into the mid 90s of the chronology jump, then just jump the chronology, go back listen to everything all the dark tower books up to that point plus the last of the seven listen to win through the keyhole when that comes into the chronology oh like kind of do you think i i could start there and then actually jump back to the other books no, or, or when, when the, i when start to approach that is so that's like book 4.5 but it came out in 2010 um but it takes place right in the middle of the series it's like a an, an additional story. So let that one happen when it happens in your chronology. Um but but don't start there. Like when that when that's coming up, start with the gunslinger or start with wind in the keel and then go back to the gunslinger. Oh no, go start with the because wind through the keyhole takes place after wizard and glass. So your next is the gunslinger, then there's drawing of three. Then there's the wastelands. Then there's Wizard and Glass. In the story arc of the Dark Tower, went through the keyhole. Then would happen. But don't put oh, it in okay. there, because that book came out after he had finished the series. So like, there's books five, six, and seven, but went through the keyhole happens before in the story arc of the Dark Tower happens before five, six, and seven even though it came out after all of the Dark Tower books. Oh, wow. I feel like I'll have to check in with you when I get closer. <laughs> it sounds more complicated than I realized. Uh, I'm excited, though. Yeah, no, just just don't worry about when through the keyhole. Okay. <laughs> when you start the Dark Tower books, don't do dark. Don't listen to when through the keyhole. Oh. Just, just do the seven Dark Tower books, the, the actual seven Dark Tower books that were the arc of the story. Just do those all together. And went through the keyhole, just pretend like it doesn't exist until it you hit it in your chronology then. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'll follow I'll follow your lead. It's yeah. been great so far. <laughs> uh yeah. So so different seasons would be next, man. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I Breathing have that method is such a good fucking short story, and that's the one that hasn't been adapted yet. So oh. out of those four. But I'm excited to, for you to watch Shawshank Redemption. Oh God, me too. Yeah, which, especially after Castle Rock. Especially after Castle Rock, there. Oh man, there's so much. There's so much that it takes place first off in Shawshank plays such a big role in Castle Rock. Well, well let me let me bring this up because I have this other idea. Okay. So we have this timer. And, you know, Castle Rock is what it is. And I don't know how much you have to say about it, but there's a couple other things we have on the King Corner. Oh, yeah. Do you want to try and talk about those first? And, or I don't know. I, I, I'm i not sure. Like, I, 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 I'm i conflicted as to whether or not to try to address Castle Rock this late in the evening. <laughs> um, Well, let's see if we can just do these quick. Uh, horror legend Toby Hooper. Because Castle Rock, you know, it's like a ten episode. It's a it's a nine hour easily Stephen King movie, kinda <laughs> that hasn't existed before. Oh man, is the Mangler is that uh, is that a um, Shout Factory? Did I put that in there? Yeah. Uh, 
next one is that future works oh breaking oh yeah yeah uh so we're yeah let me open that up uh, yeah i don't i don't necessarily want to dissuade us from talking about no, um, I'm castle just, rock I'm i just don't want to short these other it. ones pretty quick so like maximum overdrive long walk short drink episode i don't even know when we made it uh <laughs> oh yeah i don't know it was early yeah i actually just listened to one of my favorite podcasts is how did this get made and yeah. it's often a live show and it, they basically talk about movies that are well quote unquote bad <laughs> i don't think they would call them that and and it's a great like it's not a mean-spirited thing they talk about they're just like what the fuck is going on here or like how did this happen but they also if like this is they will also willingly acknowledge like this is magnificent like great oh, like badness or whatever a lot of jean-claude van damme movies which i really appreciate <laughs> and i just so happen to have listened every once in a while they'll release because they've been doing this for a while every once in a while they'll release several episodes that are behind a paywall and they'll put them out that you know old episodes that, that podcast listeners can listen to without subscribing to some Gotcha. monthly thing and they maximum overdrive was part of one of those recently and so i just listened to it this week and it was just great to hear them talk about you know things and, like and uh the lines in that movie etc we talk about it on episode six so yes the, episode six so yeah which is funny but it's getting episode six was maximum overdrive and episode seven was beyond the black rainbow oh nice yeah uh, yeah we found our we found our groove pretty early on sure but, the, but that's getting a, a a truckload of special features on blue yeah and it it's not like. shot factory putting it out uh oh it's a shame which i know i know we give a lot of uh oh but it's vestron i support that i remember we talked about this a little bit before but like that's a I don't know, your space camps, your monster squad, all kinds of stuff when you're a kid, like, or if you were a kid in the mid eighties came out on Vestron video, they would, they would acquire, they were like the shout factory of their day. <laughs> and if this is the box art that they're using, they got past the, um, the green goblin copyright issues. That's what like Ooh. for the longest time, other than the original box art, like you, you it was just a ring it was a generic semi truck and not the actual truck that's the like antagonist of maximum overdrive but um this is yeah. essentially getting a shout factory treatment like and this is what it is yeah what, i have some other vestron releases that they're doing what they can <laughs> oh yeah uh so uh here's some of the things new audio commentary uh there's two I, I was so excited because I saw Stephen King. I'm like, it's fucking Stephen King talking about this movie, but he's not. No. The, uh, uh Truck Stop and, and Tales and featurette, yeah. Rage Against the Machines featurette, a uh, bunch of behind the scenes featurettes, and two new commentaries. And it's gonna be put on Blu-ray. Um I mean, it's worth it just for the good box art. It's like the, yeah, it, there's it, there's a lot of stuff uh, as a as a Blu-ray and special features connoisseur. Like m minus having you have, you have to take what you can get sometimes. Like and so Stephen King is not going to talk about it. You're not going to see Emilio Estevez <laughs> or whatever. But there's two audio commentaries. There's several featurettes about a, a wide number of things. Like I, I'm I'm into it. I will get this. Yeah, I will shill. Oh yeah, no okay. I. I it's going to be great. And then uh, to follow that up, you have on here. 
Yeah, similarly, that looks like this one is a Shout Factory situation. The Mangler breaking the horror legends Toby Hooper, Robert Englund, and Stephen King teamed up for 1995's bone-crunching tale of The Mangler, which comes from uh, Night Shift's short story collection, coming to Blu-ray for the first time on December 11th. And uh, Toby Hooper uh, famously directed... uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Robert Englund, of course, is Freddy Krueger, and of course, Stephen King. Um, so, yeah, I was never especially interested in oh, this. Oh, man, uh, there's a but I am show collector's edition. Yes, out. and that, that is... Have uh, you seen Creepshow? No, I have never seen Creepshow, and I pre-ordered this fucker, and this is one of the ones that will come two weeks early because I ordered it directly from shoutfactory.com. It is... It's fantastic. Both creep shows are fantastic. I'm pretty sure Stephen King also like is one of the executive producers on Creep Show too. But he actually is. So this is an an anthology horror movie where yeah. there's little vignettes basically um, that are almost taken directly from the the Creep Show comic books. There's like Vault of Terror, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Holy fucking shit. One of the bonus features is audio commentary with George Romero and special effects makeup artist Tom Savini. So, A, George shit. Romero passed away. Yep. <laughs> and Tom Savini is Tom fucking Savini. There, there are th- is in He's the main <sighs> character in one of the vignettes. That you can see him in the... If you look in the box art, to the right, the guy that's covered in green... Oh, sure. Yeah, that's, I recognize him. That's yeah. Steve King, and that's his character. He plays like a, a this bumbling idiot, and uh, um, a meteor crashes on his farm, and he doesn't know what to do and touches it and then catches... It, it's great. It's fucking awesome. Uh, it says here that Roger Ebert, the quote from Roger Ebert is, plays like an anthology of human phobias. And this this release includes a 40-page booklet. Oh, that's awesome. I'm a, I'm a, I've been working on this thing I won't talk about now, but like uh, I, I did a 35-page PDF booklet for this thing of my own. That, yeah. You know, that takes a long time. And so I have a, an appreciation of that number of pages as a uh, both as a creative person as a, and, and as someone who can't wait to read those 40 pages because it is coming in the mail oh my god the, this is a very very long list of shit that is on this or not or shit like features that yeah. is on this wow and yeah i never saw this the the bride too like with her sister there's a story where uh her sister is scared of things her older sister and there was something where they used this movie the bride and her mom to scare her sister so that was the only and and yeah and and there's a did we say yeah george romero it's like a it's a collaboration between george romero and stephen king so pretty cool means that right there is enough to get me but it's like yeah new 4k scan of the original camera negative awesome Audio commentary with director of photography, audio commentary, man, Terror in the Three Rivers. That is a lot of shit. That's almost wow. worth getting. That's I couldn't justify that to Ash. There's no way. I'll let you know though. I'll yeah. I'll, uh, I'll give you the review. <laughs> um and I in the second one does not get as much notoriety as the first one, but it's still worth checking out. I remember the second one a lot just because there's uh, some good boobs in that one. Oh, I'm and I was, I'm in. And I was young. <laughs> I, I like need. I was young, so 
You know, that, that'll do even that was another me. reason why I liked horror movies when I was young. I was allowed to watch them and there were, there was always boobs in horror movies. So, yeah, I tried a lot of like stuff, try to see boobs and sometimes it didn't work out. No. So if there was a sure thing, <laughs> I mean, in terms of like you think like, oh, well, this is rated R. And so I, I saw a lot of classy pictures, as, as I think I mentioned on the yeah, podcast, I, in the I, hopes I, of seeing boobs. I've, I've done that, too. That, that's the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> um. And then, Very so cool. we're gonna end up. We're gonna have to do a Castle Rock episode, I think, because that we're seems gonna, okay. We're gonna run out of time. <laughs> I mean, I mean and that's that okay. seems it's ten episodes. It is. It's ten hours worth of film. I hate to cram it in ten minutes. So yeah. let's wrap with the last thing that's on this list is the future works of Stephen King. So something did just get put out by him. I have it on standby at the library. Oh. I can't wait for it to come in. Is this? Um, oh, it's not even on this page anymore. It was still on the page, but it's a. Uh, 10 tales of terror or whatever, which is like Stephen King it, he hates to fly. Um, he talks about if you, if you know him when he goes on book tours, most of the time he drives himself around the country, uh, which I, I, so I, I cannot corroborate this at all, but my, one of my principles when I was teaching, I mentioned that I really like Stephen King and he said, you know, I my without missing a beat, my principal looked at me and he's like, "I almost killed Stephen King once," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." So I was driving. I at the time I was in college. It was the summertime, and I was working for. I don't know if he was working for the city or ODOT or somebody, but he was driving like a a, a government vehicle, like a work truck that had was loaded with a bunch of stuff that they use to like block up a road with and he said he was going down the highway it was the middle of the night so the road was pretty much dead and he was going down the highway and he thought that this stuff was secured in the bed of the truck and it wasn't and it like flew out of the truck and almost hit the car behind him like the only other, of course, he's like, of course, there's another car on the road. Right. And, uh, almost hits them. So we pull over and I'm talking to the guy and like apologizing. And he said, I looked and saw his license plate. And this is what gave, I wish I could remember what he said. The license plate said, but it was a vanity plate, but that this little tidbit is what gave the story all the credibility to me. It was a horror reference on the license plate fuck i wish i could remember what it was but then he's like then i realized it was stephen king and he <laughs> said that he was driving across the country on a book tour and happened to be passing through cincinnati and my fucking principal almost killed him like <laughs> with, like oh, man. fucking outrageous right like uh so Jesus, but anyways, oh, I know that plate. Like, I'm sure it'll come to you. Long I mean, walk, maybe not today, long walk but... for. I could probably text him. Oh, and ask <laughs> yeah. him. Uh, not now, but I might text him. Yeah. tomorrow and ask him for a follow up. Uh, so, anyways, he hates flying. So Bev Vincent, who wrote uh, the Road to the Dark Tower, which is a great if you're a Dark Tower fan, it's just a great. The first half of it is like a summary of the books. Or like a summary of the history that led to the writing of the Dark Tower. And then Ooh. there's like some summary of the books and then some reflection on the books. But Bev Vincent wrote that. 
Uh, I highly recommend it. But he co he collaborated with Stephen King on this collection of like ten tales that are, I guess, supposed to be like terrifying things about that have to do with airplanes because in really? he hates flying so much and the the joke of it is is that they like they want people to buy it at an airport to read while they're on a plane and it like the picture <laughs> of it the cover is is a plane like going down uh and it says oh Ten tales of terror and that like angled script you know that like high popping like angle so it looks like it's coming out and uh, but that used to be man long long for a short drink that used to be on the future works page. It's not on there anymore because it's been out for a while now. So the only other future work that's on there is the one that's getting released uh October 30th. Man, Ooh. soon, soon, right? Yeah. Uh and it, this God damn it. What is <laughs> this sounds and it sounds so good. It's it's called Elevation. It takes it's an it's like the next Castle Rock novel. Uh it takes oh, place in Castle yeah. Rock. Um, I, I don't want to read all of it, uh, but I, the, I, I want to say just on the limited, I want to feel like it's his response to this divisiveness, uh, this divide that's occurring right now in America. Um, and it says upbeat, which is not a word you usually see associated with Stephen King or Castle Rock. Um, uh, the latest from legendary master storyteller Stephen King, a riveting, extraordinary, eerie, and moving story about a man whose mysterious affliction brings a small town together. A timely, upbeat tale about finding common ground despite deep-rooted differences. Like, and so, doesn't that just sound like what we need right now? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I'm really looking forward to that. It just and it and it's just based on the synopsis that's on this page right here. Um, that's awesome. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> yeah, but it takes place in Castle Rock, which is really uh, in the small town of Castle Rock, the setting of many of King's most iconic stories. Scott is engaged in a low grade but escalating battle with the lesbians next door whose dog regularly drops his business <laughs> on Scott's lawn. <laughs> One of the women is friendly. The other cold as ice. Both are trying to launch a new restaurant, but the people of Castle Rock want no part of uh, a gay married couple, and the place is in trouble. When Scott finally understands the prejudice, prejudices they face, including his own, he tries to help. Unlikely alliances, the annual foot race, and the mystery of Scott's affliction bring out the best in people who have indulged the worst in themselves and others. Uh, man, uh, sound, I, I'm sure there's going to be plenty to like. That's going to be cringy and awful to hear. I'm I'm just excited that he's gonna he's off of the the um, detective novels. You know the the Mr. Mercedes, the outsider was really in the Mr. Mercedes vein. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah. excited for this. Like super yeah, excited. It's like, it's kind of like him when he was stuck on, uh, and I, I'm not even really very much past it, but in his early career, he was very much right. He wrote a lot of novels about 
telekinesis pyrokinesis like all yeah. of that stuff yep. but uh, and it, it, it feels a little bit repetitive like he mines it well and he gets a lot out of it and he's one of the great character writers i don't know probably in american history really american literature i i don't know people don't say that but i <laughs> it's pretty great and uh anyway so but but i can i know what you mean like like yeah, it's probably time yeah. to, to move to a new phase of things yeah so let's go back to castle rock so yeah so we will talk castle rock in 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 greater depth uh very soon i'm and we'll you know be back and forth i think next week could work but yeah. regardless it'll be the next episode that folks hear it's a i i have nothing oh, you but love for that series double shot Let's yeah, not which do, is very possible, but let's not do a double shot. Let's just stick okay. to our let's just stick to our thing, and we'll just plan for our next episode. Episode fifty five is going to be a, a um, Castle Rock. That'll Fucking give me a in. chance to kind of re- do some more research because right now all I really have is like my memory of watching the episodes and listening to that podcast. Which mm-hmm. yeah, um, I I think if I get a chance to like really die. I I need to know I I I really need to decide who the fucking kid is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I did you watch the closing moments? Um, the bride told me we we shut it off a little too early. Like there was a little something at the very end. Did you? Oh see yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Okay, we didn't see that. Do you know what it um, is? Not yet. I don't oh, know. oh yeah, no. Sounds like it's good. <laughs> it is. I mean, it has nothing to do with like the main story of Castle Rock. It's just a nice oh. like fan service. It's, it's a little bit of fan service. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, if you like the it, 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 it's the um the Jackie Torrance character. I was wondering. I was like, where does she go in all of this? And yeah. that seems so. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Which is a great fucking. I mean. She, she's related to the Jack Torrance. Like I know. Yeah. And, and like, I think she adopted that name a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. Her right? name's not yeah. Jackie. She, oh, she, it's she, Deborah she, or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. But, but she is Torrance. Cause she says like, my uncle was this guy who like murdered his family, like tried yeah. to murder his family at this hotel in Colorado. And, uh, so I, I mean, very clearly letting you know she is related to the Jack Torrance from The Shining, uh, which just opens up all kinds of questions. And that's what we'll leave you with. Like that, just like that's yeah. just one little tease on why you should get Hulu and go. Maybe Hulu will sponsor us. Uh, go well, to and, and go why to you should listen to this show. slash LWSD to sign up for your free Hulu trial. That's not true. Don't go to that URL. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but I I watched the show. I've been listening to the Stephen King catalog, and I listened to the really really rewarding uh, podcast Footnote, the Castle Rock official podcast, which you can find. But after all that, even just mentioning these things to my old friend Palmer, he's like, "Oh, there's so much more." So yeah. I'll be tuning in next time just to hear all of those things that only you can bring to the table, sir. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I'll I'm going to go I I might try to go through some of the key episodes again. Sissy Spacek is just so fucking awesome. And and Yeah. Really everyone is like it's a it's really well done. Yeah. I think even if you don't have an attachment to Stephen King, it it's so obvious that you're in yeah, I'm really good at storytelling it's, hands watching that show. It, it, her performance though just catches you off. You forget how good of an actress she is and just like yeah. it just catches you off guard. Like that 
oh geez i could cry just thinking about that that the episode she gets the queen that yeah fucking god damn is that good man yeah so turn tune in to episode 55 of long long short drink where we will give this show its due and 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 give it a proper long walk short drink discussion uh if you Bathroom's between very well deserved yeah. yeah absolutely if you have the time between now and then um sign up for your free you get 30 day a 30 day free trial of hulu give the show a try yeah while you're there think, you yeah watch you'll, all you'll, you'll get hooked quick absolutely. <laughs> i think like if you if you start it if you don't love it in the first couple you probably won't but then you're you just let your free trial lapse if you need more of a selling point in addition to Castle Rock, you get Handmaid's Tale, which is like getting all kinds of like critical praise. Uh, all three existing seasons of Rick and Morty are there to binge, <laughs> yes. which you really sold me on. I mean, like I've heard great things. Krams is really into it. I tried one. I'm like, okay, I need to give this more time. After what you've said, as soon as I move through Twin Peaks, I think I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get in Rick and Morty. Just, yeah, so just seriously, just just fucking it's so fucking smart it's so i've never seen such dedication to continuity ever really yeah whoa like across three seasons of a cartoon show like man god damn is it excited wow that's so cool fucking watch mandy i don't care how you do it like watch mandy like if it's playing in the theater go see it in the theater get it from any of those like digital rentals or whatever, but see fucking Mandy. And if you see it, you've got to let me know what you think about it. Like, Oh yeah. I, 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 I'm pretty excited to watch it this weekend. I might not, but I think that's a, I'm pretty motivated. (laughs) So, um, all right. So go to, Oh, Oh, one more thing. Just, uh, go to vote.org. Please for the love of God. It takes less than two minutes. Just vote your conscience. Two oh, minutes. Yeah. Vote.org.org. Yep. That's all. <laughs> um, go to audibletrial.com slash LWSD. Sign up for your free audiobook. Listen to Cujo. Listen to The Running Man. See if Different Seasons is on there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Next um, foray into the Stephen King universe. Uh, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcast episodes, leave us a review on that platform um, because you're not the only one that probably gets a podcast from that platform. So leave us a review. Uh, if you have a, have a couple minutes, we'd really appreciate it. Help get the word out of Long Walk Short Drink to uh, the masses. Oh, there's a timer. Uh, oh, we did it, man. Yeah, we not did it. Not only your, 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 your spiels magnificent but you did it right on time which i could never do yeah and <laughs> talking um, about lord knows what uh mid thought go to uh, any if you go to any of those platforms also do us the favor of going over to our youtube page uh just search long walk short drink in youtube uh and subscribe there so we can get to our 100 mark so that we can get our unique url as soon as we do that the sooner you have to stop, you get to stop hearing me say that every episode. <laughs> um, maybe we'll try that tactic now and see if we can get another 10 <laughs> subscriber bump. We did a good push and went from like 52 to 63, like almost, I feel like 
from one recording to the next recording. So, yeah, uh, which was great. So I, I'll take another like 10 person bump, uh, whatever that takes. Um, and then follow us on Twitter at uh, LWSD pod. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Go to Hulu, sign up for your free trial, watch Castle Rock. We'll be back in episode 55 uh, to discuss that. So uh, this is Palmer signing out from Dayton, Ohio. This is Dave signing out from Northfield. Thank you, sir. I, I, yeah. I feel so much uh, lighter leaving this conversation than I did come into it. Awesome. Me too. I feel great. Thanks so much. Uh, as always, like, God damn, I get so much from this more than, uh, more than you probably know. So, yeah, me too. I can never predict how much. I'm just like, I know I feel better, but it's always surprising to me how and how much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thanks a lot. Love you, buddy. Moto, love if you're you still there, love you. Uh, otherwise, I love all you guys listening and uh, love you, buddy. Roadman. There he is. Yeah, give us a thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. We'll uh, catch you guys on the flip side. This is Palmer signing out. Cheers, Long Rock. You just don't put shit in your face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>